This week's episode of the Co-Optional Podcast is proudly sponsored by Squarespace. Get 10% off your first order at squarespace.com slash co-optional. Create your own professional-looking website with no prior knowledge required at squarespace.com slash co-optional. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Corruptional Podcast here on the 20th of September 2016. Just ignore the complete fuck-up of an intro that I just did. I was it wondering never what happened. happened. I wasn't going to bring any attention to it. I may have like left the old template in there and then just stopped it and put the new one in and hoped nobody <laughs> noticed. Everybody Wait, old te- like the old intro? The old, 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 old one, old yeah. intro, and then the, you were like, oops! <laughs> the disgracefully old one. And I suddenly realized, oh, that's not supposed to be there. It's like, that guy worked for like three months on a new animation. I forgot to use it. I'm a dickhead. That's just how it is. <sighs> Love it. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're going to have one of our biggest shows in a while. Let's fuck it up immediately. That's just going to set the <laughs> tone for the rest of the show. Our guest today has recently escaped the shackles of the colonial prison known as Australia. Congratulations on making it over to the wonderful land of freedom, as they call it. <laughs> It'll be like this for a couple of months, and then everything's going to hell once the election Not comes. Don't say yes. that! No, right. stop! Yes, got it just in time. Yep, oh, just in time to see the world burn. Benny Artikrocho oh. of Zero Punctuation fame, welcome to the show. Hello, internet. This is me coming to you on very unflattering below laptop screen webcam, O-Vision. Yo. This is my human face. He has one. It's a real thing. Mm. If you can believe it. You've only been in the States for now four weeks, I believe. Roundabouts, yes. I just came over on an O-1B visa, which means I'm really great. Yep. The American government just wanted me. You're an exciting <laughs> broadcast personality. So please come music. to America. Please, 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 please. forever. And uh, I have you to thank for a reference, don't I, John? Oh, yes. I mean, it was like a page and a half of dick sucking, basically. That's what it was. It, <laughs> it was a wonderfully... I like to think you just doodled. A wonderfully yeah, fillatory piece. Of... Yeah. <laughs> what just a picture of a giant yeah, penis so that's what i said to the u.s government yeah just you know yeah. it's like a flip book as yeah. you flip through it oh it was animated wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's very fancy yeah, you submitted deviant art you were like here guys this is- yeah you, oh, that's practically it i mean for that visa you just submit printouts of every website you can find that says anything about you at all <laughs> Right. Tumblr fan fiction, deviant yeah, fan art, fiction, fan, fiction, fan, fan art, artists. that kind of thing. Perfect. <laughs> oh my god, if I ever have to do that at some point in my life, the whole binder is just going to be fan art. Like, look, I'm important. I don't know what to tell you. Guys, are there nudie pictures of you on the internet? Because there's plenty of me. And I look <laughs> fucking fabulous. That's what I submit to the guy. Because yours was an 01B as well, wasn't it, John? It was, yeah, yeah. A few years so- ago, uh, when they tried to convince the US government that 
esports broadcaster wasn't a completely made up imaginary <laughs> job. Apparently, uh, oh. it's got a lot easier since then, but we did manage it. We, we drowned them in paperwork, you know, which mm, I think is apparently the best way did to do it, it. Did you ever get the whole petition together and just read through it? and then come away feeling really self-confident for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> like, at least half a day, I felt like I was just accomplishing everything I meant to and that people half truly respected me. That's like me. forever. Yeah, you know, it was it was half a day of, of joy before the mundanity set in once again. <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderful experience. But yeah, it is nice to have a lot of people write about you and say, you're really important and you should let me pass the border. That's, that's mm. quite the thing. It's something everyone should get to experience once in their life lies people lying on their behalf pretty much yeah it's like embellishment jesse yeah. embellishment yeah. is the word we're for there embellishing on your behalf yeah yeah well when you don't when they don't need to lie that's when you know you've made it i suppose absolutely <laughs> and this is the land of embellishment your, uh -huh. your belly will be embellished quite soon i can guarantee well i did actually have a couple of questions for you as a fellow expat getting Fair used enough. to the american way of life all right so the first one, is it normal for bread to be wrapped more than once? <laughs> uh, yes. It's also I, normal I for bread... bread to taste like dessert. I'm not sure I was going to say, I expected you to say, is it normal for bread to taste like sugar? Because that's what every British person in my life complains about. I never said, <laughs> yes. I got some sliced brown bread and I opened the bag and then I had to open it again. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's the fancy stuff if you've got to open it twice. Uh, it mm. will still go off in a couple of days, regardless of how many times it's wrapped, but it also tastes like cake. Uh, yeah. Do Dodger's fiance is British, has complained about the same thing. It was Pepperidge Farm, wasn't it? That's what you bought. I don't know. I just found it on a shelf, and it was sliced, and it was bread. Yes. <laughs> it's. You see, I disagree on the point that it's bread. I think that... The, what they call bread over here is an unholy abomination. There's there's a couple of places that will do... I mean, you've got to, you've got to buy sugar-free bread as if that's actually a feature, not a default position. So well, that you was can my get other, that. That was my other question. Is there such a thing in this country as a breakfast cereal that hasn't been sweetened in some way? Yes. Uh, cornflakes, I think. They're oh, regu raisin bread. regular run-of-the-mill cornflakes. I love raisin bread. Y'all better cut. This is why Trump's going to win. Talk like this. Talk like this. That's no, fine because anti-American talk like this. <laughs> Our cereals are the best cereals. Our breads are the best breads. That's why the rest of the world has them. It's all it's all the giant conspiracy up. by by the dental industry in this particular country. They sell you cereal for your your growing up period where you it's just nothing but green and red balls of sugar. Mm. And then you have to go and get extensive dental work done later in life. Yeah, it's basically I how mean, it works. As Jesse has told us before, we even put sugar on our fries. Yo. Yeah. That's just I mean, insane. It is. We're all really hosed, is. is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrible. Like, yeah, that's like the Scottish putting salt on their porridge. It is a bit, yeah. I, I've tried to get proper yeah. porridge over here as well. I can't can't do that either. It's like, well, it's is, oatmeal, don't they just, don't but they just it's got it cinnamon in it. Yeah, the grits? Between yeah. yeah that's um, that's corn, isn't it? Like uh, grits, I think, is like a corn porridge, like with corn husk, right. and you eat it with shrimp Delicious. for some reason. I don't uh, know why that is. You don't have to, but it's a specialty in the south. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They, oh, they gosh, try to do that to us all the time. All the... Oh, gosh, you got to learn all the like local things. Oh my god. <laughs> there's no, 
There's no such thing as like just local American things, though. It like has to oh. do with the exact place that you're in. <laughs> well, yeah, I think each city has big. a particular piece of cuisine that they're very protective of. Mm-hmm. And right. that th- they say can only be made in that city. Otherwise, it's just it's false. Well, I'm near San Francisco. What is what is San Francisco's specialty, uh, Jesse? Broccoli on pizza. Is it? Uh, is that is that the thing? No, no. Uh, really, San Francisco is known for like having riceroni, awesome, the like, San Francisco treat. That's stupid. that's stupid. Uh, what is a riceroni? I don't think that there are riceroni commercials anymore. But when I was no, a kid, there was they a used to have them. Yeah, there was a jingle that went riceroni. The San Francisco treat. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I thought that like Riceroni was what San Francisco is. Really? <laughs> it's not. It's I've never encountered that. Or is like really good Asian food. Like that's what San Francisco is known for. But it's like a like super metropolitan. Like you need to go to the middle of America where like they're known for what wh- the city's known for only one thing. Well, only like, one thing. Corn. Garth Brooks. <laughs> yes. Lots of corn. That's the yeah. entirety of Ohio. Just corn and nebraska yeah their 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 football team is literally the huskers as in mm. the corn huskers oh for god's sake what was that campaign what was that, <laughs> corn for days. what was that sandwich place in texas that elvis used to go to where they just take him a huge loaf of bread and fill it with bacon and peanut butter and jam well, that's i mean that's all that's town's known for i'm sure like they're just like uh, we're we're the town that killed elvis yes <laughs> That's all they're known for. I'm if sure I look on Google, it's Elvis Presley sandwich that. story. His apparently legendary midnight sandwich run on his private jet. That's supposedly. the one, yeah. That's I have never heard of The sandwich it. that's supposed to serve like 10 people, but he just no, have one. Y'all can't even pretend. Yeah, I found it. Elvis money, you can't pretend that if you had Elvis money, you wouldn't be like, F it, let's go to Texas and get a crazy ass sandwich. <laughs> I would do that. I'd jump on a plane, show up, eat the crazy ass sandwich, go home. Because that's Elvis money. So this I... town is known for the Fool's Gold Loaf, which is an 8,000 calorie sandwich made from a hollowed out loaf filled with an entire jar of peanut butter, one jar of jelly, that's jam for those outside of the States, a pound of bacon. It's priced at $50, and it became the Elvis Presley of sandwiches in Grace. It's Graceland, I believe, isn't it? Oh, uh, in yeah. Graceland. Yeah. 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 So Apparently funny. he took Go his on. private jet there solely to eat that. And that's probably what killed him. We killed him. At the end of the day. Yes, that's America in a nutshell, isn't it? I'm just flying a private jet to eat a giant sandwich and die. Yeah, I'm looking at the ingredients and it says 2T margarine. (laughs) I like to think that 2T represents two tons of margarine. That's. It sounds about right. I'm looking at the picture of it and it seems like it might very well might be. Well, now we know what Heartbreak Hotel was about. It was just a massive <laughs> cholesterol embolism. Indeed. Well, it's the Corruptional Podcast. We occasionally talk about video games and also sandwiches from time to time, has been known. We usually start the show off with the first couple of hours at any rate, talking about the games that we've been playing this week. After that, we cover the news, assuming there's anything worth covering. There usually isn't. I would like to preclude any discussion before we begin by saying we will not be talking about digital homicide oh, and their ridiculous we already lawsuit. Did. Now, you would, now we have! God no, that doesn't oh. count! It doesn't count. Yeah, a disclaimer saying we won't. No, a disclaimer we, saying we won't we say it doesn't universe. count. Hey, doesn't count. Not, hey, it's not turn not talking uh. about it into talking about it. Yeah, you see, you were trying to bait me into it. I see you at your game. I know what you're doing. No, we're not talking about them. They're shit. End of story. <laughs> you don't need to know anything else. 
We'll talk about other things. Not that there's much in the news anyway, but that's never stopped us before. I'm sure we'll somehow figure something out. So let's kick it off. What we've been playing this week. Yahtzee, why don't you start us off? Well, oh, this is a new computer, so I can just go down the list of all the things I've got installed on Steam. Fancy. And you don't have to pay Australian prices for them anymore, which means you can afford more than one game a month. It's lovely. Yeah, you know, I, just, I used to like... Uh, occasionally import stuff from the US when it came out there earlier. And even with the import and FedEx fees, it usually cost less. Still cheaper, yeah. Yeah. I'm not oh, sure it... what the tax is for exactly. It's like a safety tax. Like the, I guess. The, post, the bad... Postal Service has to run the gauntlet of dangerous animals to get it to. Well, it's just because there's a bad case of nanny state going on in Australia. Indeed. Yeah, they have to keep reminding people to put shirts on and not beat their wives. <laughs> yeah, they, they forget that very frequently. Well, last night I was playing a bit of Halcyon 6, Starbase Commander. Ah, yes. Have you played that one? I have, yes. Uh, what do you reckon to it? Because I was quite intrigued uh, when I played it. I really got into it uh, more, far more than I thought I would. Yeah, I'm not usually into like the space strategy thing. I mean, besides FTL. Yeah. Which I clocked in like 95 hours in. Yep. Yeah, I haven't played it much, but I'm getting quite into it. Reminds me of XCOM in quite a few ways. Yeah, and definitely in terms of the base building, that's the sort of vibe that I got from it and the way that you tech up against a foe that is extremely dangerous. I mean, the trailer kicks off by saying like, oh, what if there was an alien god and what if he really didn't like us? Mm. And you get this star base which allows you to build up your crew and build different ships and weapons and things like that. Your crew members and ships have a tendency of exploding violently. Yeah. Mm. It's like, they feel like, it feels like they throw like five different things to do at you and you've only got like one tiny fleet to do it all with. Yeah, you're very, very limited in, in what you can do and the decisions that you have to make. And that means the rest of the universe gets progressively worse around you. And you do. It's, it's kind of a damage control game, I think. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, one of those games where you, everything's fucked right at the start. Yes. And everything is else. It's like Metroid Prime, say, where you lose all your abilities. It looks great. Right after the intro. I love the aesthetic to it. It reminds me of sort of 90s DOS games, you know, sort of towards the tail end of when they were still making games for DOS before they went to Windows. That sort mm. of really nice, quality, colorful, detailed pixel art. Uh, got some really cool animations going on with it. Uh, I particularly like just the way that the aliens just usually come apart and splatter everywhere. That's nice. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's been in early access for quite some time. I played the early access version a while ago, and I thought it already had quite a lot of legs, and it seems like it's going even more now. When I played, it didn't have the ground combat. That has a a particularly red shirt vibe to it from the looks yeah. of it. You send your, your crewmates down, and they instantly get murdered or pulped, and the animations are suitable for that. They just melt down to the skeleton and fall on the floor, which I think is wonderful. So I wonder if it's a bit much of that and the ship combat, which is basically the same but with ships. Possibly, yeah. Like it, I, I like to uh, people compare to you know, to a mixture of FTL and yeah. XCOM, which I think there's definitely uh, there's a strong feel of that. But what they ignore is the fact that the battles are basically Final Fantasy RPG battles, like classic yeah. turn-based JRPG sort of thing. You have a turn, you use an ability. They use an ability. They use use an ability. So on and so forth. Yeah, it's very much focused on creating vulnerabilities in the enemy so that another uh, member of your party can exploit them could shoot the shit out of it yeah yeah but, uh, but the management layer is what keeps me in it you know because it's okay those battles they're fine enough they're entertaining enough they're not amazing they're not hmm. something that i actively pursue in it but because i'm constantly getting new stuff and new ships and i'm having to manage my resources on top of that that's sort of what makes everything interesting and that's what gives me the XCOM vibe because that had that layer as well 
I always feel a little bit paralyzed by games where everything's thrown at you right at the start. Like, oh, yeah. You could, should you be expanding the base? Should you be building new ships? Should you be exploring, like, into space, any exclamation marks? There's a lot of trial and error in that, isn't there? I think especially yeah. in the first few the first few rounds of XCOM you have, whether it be the new or old one, you still run into that problem where it's like, well, I think I'm doing the right thing, and then suddenly at some point you realize, well, actually I'm fucked because earlier on in the game I didn't keep up with this particular aspect, and now I'm being utterly overwhelmed and I can't do anything about it. Hmm. So that does sort of justify a restart. I I was trying to think of like how you could really fix that without holding people's hand too much. I think it's a. It's a and I think it's just a. It's just an inevitability of the genre, really. I mean, that's why I don't usually play like these big strategy games, like a like a real time strategy stuff. I prefer a game where I'm directing. I got what got to worry about one thing at a time, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Dark Souls, I'm just one guy. There's a big queue of horrible things in front of me. And at the end of the queue, I can go home. Yeah, I'm never good with games where I'm supposed to be in charge of a lot of stuff. Um. <laughs> um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I really didn't enjoy playing Mass Effect games. Because they were yeah. like, I mean, you play one person, but you're also controlling everybody else. I'm like, I don't want to. Can't they just do their own shit? Like, <laughs> I, n I never used the party control mechanics in Mass Effect and got through them all perfectly well. There you go. Unnecessary. Unnecessary mechanics. I guess I they go. feel like they needed or something. Yeah, I think I think at one point in Mass Effect it just came down to your two party mates were basically just extra abilities for you. You know, you mm. just hit the ability button, they do it without you having to control them. It's like, well, I mean that's cool, but I might as well have that ability myself because it's the same effect. They'd always, they'd do it instantly as well, I noticed. Like, it would be immediate response every time you hit that button. They wouldn't just get in a position to do it. You'd hit the mm. button and almost immediately they'd fire off whatever crazy special shot that was. Like, wow, God, you're responsive, Jesus. Well, it feels like the Bioware RPGs were always trying to, like, reinvent the wheel with the combat. I mean, Dragon Age Inquisitions brings to mind. They had that thing where you could sort of freeze time and direct... All your party Never members? It. Not, Not in three, no. Yeah, it it was necessary one... in the first one. I took one look at it in three and never use it again. Well, it's probably for the best. As soon as you decide to move around in that mode, you realize that the camera collides with terrain. So oh, yes. instead of it zooming out to be kind of a tactical view like the first game, you know, which played more honestly like Baldur's Gate than anything else. You just else. wind up obscuring your view even more. Yeah, it's like, all right, okay, I want to get around the, oh, I've just run into a hill because the camera counts as like an entity in the world and it collides with everything. So it's a pain in the ass to use. And to be honest, like unless you turn the difficulty up to complete maximum in that game, you never needed it anyway. You just beat away but at that's things. That's so stupid. Yes, Absolutely. Well, they've got to have their unique selling point. Otherwise, everyone will complain it's just more of the last one. Yeah, yeah. The problem was, like, the, the latest one was just uh, 100 hours of MMO questing. Well, yes. Which was not very interesting, honestly. Didn't like <laughs> that. I'd rather they go back to the first one. I kind of like three more than two. <laughs> I, I, I mean... I, I liked it from a story perspective, mainly. Because two just feels like the dude and his neighborhood watch group yeah, it really was. Like, out. I'm in a city, horrible crimes are going on, let's go solve the crimes. Oh, yeah. you need to go outside the city? Well, there's a, there's a generic-looking cave that you can go to and never visit again, except for yeah. the fact that the next one you go in looks very, very similar to that yeah, cave. But it was a different one. cave, honestly, totally a different cave. But Inquisition, I felt, was much stronger in the story. 
because you had a bit much better sense of the threat hanging over you because it literally was hanging over you in the sky it had a nice grand scale to it i like the mm. idea of building an inquisition i just didn't like the fact that i was building an inquisition and yet i was expected to take my strongest warriors to go find someone's lost ring in the hills or whatever yeah it was the micromanagey thing that was annoying yeah was there ever a game that had side quests that you could do or you could just give to like an npc party member and leave them to it I mean, that would be amazing to pick played... up a quest but then get to delegate it to somebody else yeah i play plenty of games where you got the main quests that you have to do and then you've got like a side list of things that you can send your npcs to do like assassin's creed brotherhood yeah you just send them off to come back into your house. i've never seen one where you could just get them to do your stuff mm. that what? would be nice <laughs> what no it wouldn't what would be the point of that game? Well, if because then about... you can focus on the things that are interesting. And it's like exactly. bear asses. You can be like, go get bear asses, and I'm yes. going to do more important no, shit. No, like that's, that's different, though. You're, that's the side quest stuff. That's well, different. If it's, a, if it's a very broad game like Dragon Age Inquisition, you not there's going to be a lot of activities you're not you don't find that fun. No, that's absolutely the problem with that game. It is completely stuck full of that kind of stuff. In certain zones, you could be there for twenty hours completing pointless tasks and yet the game has a system where you can send agents and delegates to do things and yet you're still expected to do the boring shit yourself anyway i mean the one problem i've got with the current wow expansion with the whole class hall thing and you've got followers is that the quests that you're sending them on are kind of the same sort of quest that you're doing yourself Mm. Whereas surely they should be doing the less important shit, whereas you should be doing and dealing with as a mighty hero that is wielding an, a legendary artifact weapon, something that really affects the storyline in some way. It's not just WoW that has that problem. There's plenty of RPGs that have that problem. Mm. And you're trying to, I, come on, you're, you're thinking about something, Jesse. You want to disagree with me on this? Come on. What I you got? firmly disagree with you because what you're describing is the garrison, and the garrison everyone hated. So yeah, but the class order is the same thing. Like it, it, you're still it's, sending it's, them it's on silly, a pointless. lesser version of what the garrison was because mm. people like the concept of what you're talking about. The idea of uh, having a game where you and I'm with you. Look, that's why I didn't like Final Fantasy 14, which was I'm the chosen one, yet I have to deliver your sandwiches to you. Why? That's stupid, right? But the the premise of you should have other people being able to do it for you, eventually it became a Facebook game where you logged in literally just to press a few buttons and you logged out and you didn't come back till tomorrow and they did the exact same over again. Um, I think it's hard to have a game where you, the hero, are only doing the cool stuff and not the like work to get to the cool stuff because I, I don't know. There's some sort of gaming philosophy there of like maybe you need to earn it. Um, well, you, well, you can earn it. You start off at the low level, and you work up to the level where you're doing the cool missions. And if you've got any like low level quests left over that you didn't get around to finishing, like get the man his sandwich, you can just pass that off to to someone. But that's, I think that's cool. I like that idea. But I think the problem there is that's very, I don't know, JRPG -E, where the idea of you starting as a like you are the new guy. And you are like, yeah, I'm the new guy and I'm going to like earn my keep and do this stuff and work your way up and find a party and group together and then go fight the bad guy. If you take Dragon Age, for example, you start that as the hero. I have this awesome power from the get-go. And in a game like that, you totally shouldn't have to do like, 
I'm going to go deliver sandwiches. You shouldn't have to. <laughs> I'm going to pick up herbs. Yeah, yeah that, that's like... the biggest problem, with, especially with freaking Dragon Age Inquisition. It's like, how much foliage do I have to pick up during this game? Mm -hmm. All of I, it. Geez. I love that shit. You're wrong. All TV. of it. Wrong. I will never understand your desire wrong. to do that. That's, that's just the completionist in you. Uh, I go to conventions and get all the shitty shirts I'm never going to use. I must have them, TB. I would say that if it's in terms of foliage collecting specifically, okay. um, if it's between Dragon Age Inquisition and Witcher 3, I think Witcher 3 did it better. Hmm. Having not played Witcher, you all 3, care. How did Witcher 3, how did Witcher 3 do it exactly? No, but you're you're right, I think. Um, uh, but also, go, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's an entirely different game in that Witcher 3, everything, they tried to make it have a point. Rather than yeah. Dragon Age, which was a lot of like, I mean, you're helping. <laughs> you're helping spread the the stuff. Yeah, the Inquisition. The ideals of the Inquisition. The trouble yeah. with the foliage collecting in Dragon Age Inquisition is that that's mainly the reason I never used the horse in that game. Because yes. you oh, got yeah. on the horse and then you yeah. immediately had to get off it again in order to pick the yeah. nearest flower. Yeah, and, and you never know when you're going to need 30 of those things. They just yeah. spring it on you every time you want to build something. Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to build this cool upgrade to your castle, which I, know, I like the idea of having a home base that you can upgrade. I don't like mm. the process of apparently having to gather the entire building material block for the castle myself, you know, that was the one thing you could get it. That was the one thing you could delegate. You could send some guys to an arena to pick the resources, yeah, and they come, they come back, back with, with like some. three of each. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't anywhere near enough. It's like, you need 60 of these. Like, well, we got yeah. four boss. I'm like, right, okay, you go back out How there and that... get some more then. How did that work in Far Cry Primal? Because wasn't that an aspect of Far Cry Primal? Being yeah, able it was to... horrible. Yeah, it was, it it was just as bad. It was just as bad. <laughs> I, it's one of those things where they created it, but you're way better doing your like you're way better off doing it yourself. Well, yeah. it would be hours before they came back. Like your little mm. village had the ability to go and bring you stuff, but it took forever. And when they came back, they brought you the wrong shit. Mm. You couldn't, <clears throat> you couldn't like order them to do it. They just do it. It was an automatic thing. It was like the uh, shipments in Mad Max when you had it set up so the raiders would come and bring you some scrap or something at some point. You know what right. you've, re you've reminded me of is one of the Harvest Moon games where at the start you choose if you're going to be the boy or the girl and the one you didn't pick is like your farmhand. Hmm. And you can tell him to uh, plow the field or like plant whatever, but he'd do a really half-assed job if he wasn't <laughs> fond of you. So that was part of it. Like you could, you could get him to do a better job like you wanted him to. You just had to, you know, put some investment into him, buy him some flowers now and again. That's not, that's not too unreasonable. Well, I, su I suppose it's it's an improvement. At least you can do something to make them less to make it gathering. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's at that point that you wonder. Well, if these if these sort of gathering ideas and these gathering mechanics are so goddamn dull that you have to create a system to automate them, then one has to wonder why you have them in the first place. Well, you got to have crafting. Uh, apparently, you do now. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Crafting is never crafting either. It's bloody. No, it's just. It's, a, it's an assembly yeah. line. It's not crafting. You don't put just, a, your own personal flair on it. It's just like XP but or money, but you've got 500 different kinds of it. Mm. And you have to bring the right kind. Yeah. Find it's not like Minecraft. Together. I think the, the good kind of crafting is where you could sort of intuit it, like Minecraft, where you have to like lay out things in patterns. Yeah, it was a nice idea, that, actually. 
uh, you know, obviously that's all sort of ruined by access to a wiki, but if you mm. choose not to do that, then at least when you discover a new recipe, you felt like you're actually doing something sort of as an inventor or a crafter instead of you get a list of blueprints. It's like, right, okay, then, well, I know exactly how to make this. I just need the right stuff in my inventory and click go. That's it. And here we bring up No Man's Sky. <laughs> Did you get to play it? Did you Please spend don't. any time with that yeah. game? No. I Abort. did, you know, <laughs> I played it for review and then no more. Yep. That's about as long as you need to play. Yeah. And then, I, and then you look back at that video they put up at E3 two years ago and you just go, shouldn't this be illegal? I, <laughs> the, the amount of yeah. fucking yeah. excuses that keep getting made for that, that people will dance around the idea that that is false advertising and that, that, to me, sort of blows my mind. Maybe it's a more American ideal, because in the UK, the Sale of Goods Act is fairly clear about this shit. You can't actually put a bunch of stuff on your product page that isn't in the final game. And as I go to No Man's Sky's Steam page, what do I see? The first order playing video is that. It's mm. of the E3 thing two years ago. Yeah. The UI isn't remotely the same. The way scanning works is not remotely the same. There are creatures on there that do not exist. The amount of activity going on in the air is not something that happens either. That Even like the graphical fidelity, there is not a single planet in that game that looks anywhere near as good as that. Yeah, pop-ins like crazy. Yeah, the, the main argument, right, is something along the lines of, well, it's their product and they have every right to change like what their product is going to be like, but they, they weren't showing us the product is the point. Yeah. Right. They didn't make an effort to inform the people who are going to be buying the product that that's what it was going to be like now. Well, yeah. It's a big issue, right? As far as I'm concerned, they deliberately hid that until launch. I mean, the screenshots on the steam page are false. That's from that footage. These screenshots are not representative of the game. They're still there. And what's incredibly telling about that is that the development studio went utterly silent after the first couple of days. They have literally not spoken on social media or to anybody in the press since the game came out past the first couple of days of, oh, there's some tech issues, we're working on them. That's it. That's all they've done. They have gone into hiding. It's like all over again. It, it kind of is. But the thing is, they've left that stuff up. People, as you said, will make the arguments like, oh, they have the right to change it. Yes, but then they have to tell people they've changed it. Yeah. You can't then use the older footage as the means to advertise. In fact, the only means to advertise your game. There's not a single accurate screenshot or video on that store page. Not one. It's all well, still from two years yes. ago. I think the accurate thing is the uh, 35% positive user reviews. I would say so. 68,000 reviews, only 35% of them being positive. That certainly sounds about right. Uh, mm. There's not a single positive review on the front page in any way, actually. They're all negative, all the top voted ones. And you can never necessarily trust that because I think it's very easy to get on a hate bandwagon for a game and people will mess up. I found one positive review. From someone who's played it for 147 hours. Okay, Jeez. I mean, give him credit for, for that, for sticking with it, certainly. It just, it just says, not for everyone, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> not but for I... everyone, that's the ultimate yeah, cop-out. glowing recommendation. Not for everyone, but I like it. That's the extent of the review. Great, Perfect. wonderful, thank you. 
Um, yeah, brilliant. I remember when this game first came out and all of the articles were things like, this man has spent a hundred hours on his very first planet. Will he ever leave? Find out. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Why? Like, boring content I've ever seen in my life. He, I mean, there's, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing on the planet. There's nothing ever worth exploring the planet for. You, know, oh, yeah. you land on the landmark, collect the thing, which lets you have a few more words for the language. If there's a pickup, grab that. If there's a little abandoned base, go there, get the thing inside, and then leave. Once you've got the, the resources to take off again. The, the entire first few weeks of this game was that before it was on PC, almost every person you saw was gushing about this game. Yes. Mm. Console players were losing their minds over this game. The minute it hits PC, everyone shits on it. And it's I, I think we've talked about this before. It's probably because yeah. PC players have... They have access to games that are very similar and way better than this. Yes. And other yes. gamers don't. Yeah, they don't do exactly the same thing, but they tap the same vein. They go after mm. the same desire. Whereas on a, yeah, on a console, no. I mean, you generally don't even get a game that lets you fly around in 3D in space. That's not a genre that usually lands on that machine at all, much yeah, less here's an infinite universe to do it in. Yeah, No Man's Sky feels like... I compared it to Spore in my review. Mm -hmm. Spore was supposed to be this big galactic thing, but what it amounted to was just lots of little things to do smashed together. Yeah. And No Man's Sky sort of feels like one of those crappy Steam survival games uh, with a bit of Baby's First Elite Dangerous yeah. on the top. <laughs> so that, Absolutely. Yes. Yep. That game has not got a single individual element to it that I find compelling. Not one. And that's most of those survival games have something that I think is pretty neat or well executed or at least has a core gameplay loop that's interesting. It's, no Man's Sky suffers from the perhaps the worst crime of all of just being boring whatever you do in it. doesn't mm. matter what it is. Yeah. Some people have described it as, oh, well, it's actually, it's more of a cerebral zen experience about exploration. And it's like, that yeah. might be true if I didn't have to refuel fucking everything every two minutes that mm. that definitely gets rid of a lot of the zen, honestly. Yeah. It's funny, when you go past a certain point of procedurally created content, it all just gets samey. Mm -hmm. It's a sort of horseshoe theory, I suppose, of it. Mm. You just go too far in the wrong direction. And honestly, uh, this was something you were saying a couple of weeks ago, Dodger, that procedural generation to you is no longer a selling point. It's actually a negative. Yeah. It's put in the features list. Yeah, I think... It it can stand by that <laughs> yeah i mean i agree with you i i do i don't think it's i don't want 18 quintillion planets i'd, yeah. I'd be happy with 10 good ones that would be I fine think it, i think if you have some procedural generation it can be all right mm -hmm. yeah like if you're just working with like a like a roguelike sort of thing where you got a really good combat engine and uh, a really good uh realized visual design and you just uh, randomly generate some levels for it and have some design stuff as well yeah it can add a bit of last ability to it yeah i mean you can just connect pre-built rooms in a different order and then throw mm. together a couple of procedurally generated corridors or whatever or have a part of the room which is maybe the room is 80 percent the same every time but there's a couple of things that could be different that sort of mm. move around so go the half and half approach i think that works pretty well so you can't memorize the layout. You can still surprise players. Yes. With uh, like monsters jumping out. Yeah, but there's a there's a feel that each level is still well constructed, and well conceived, and everything's there for a reason. 
Mm. A lot of these procedural games, everything's there. It's like, well, why? Why is it there? Like, is it there for a logical reason? No. Is it there to help the game flow? To make sure that every, say, 30 seconds you're finding something cool or interesting? No, it's just there. I was like, well, that's that's not fun then, because there's probably not going to be, when I go into this cave, will I find something cool? And the answer is usually with procedurally generated games, no, you won't. So why go in the cave? Because yeah. I think it's people like the potential that there could be something cool in there. Yeah, but I mean, they're being led by the nose then, isn't it? You know, the mouse never ca- gets shit, the though. cheese. We love that crap. Binding of Isaac, I'd say, is a game that uh, is pretty high on the random levels. But it still manages to be compelling because it's about uh, it's about a very simple core game mechanic that can be twisted in all kinds of ways by with single pickups. Yep, it's also a session length thing, isn't it? Because mm. you've yeah. got an Isaac session is a, a self-contained experience, and once you die, all right, you know it's it's bookends it. It's a start and a finish. Okay, maybe you get a suboptimally generated level set this time around. Well, I mean it's gone now. You died. Cool. Let's let's roll the dice again. You know, and hmm. maybe next yeah. time it will be better. I It also benefits in the same, and maybe this was kind of touched on, but it also benefits in the same way that WoW does in that it's been around for a while now and has a lot of variety to offer. Yeah, it's got a lot of development time behind it now. So it's, yeah. stock, it's stock full of things. I mean, I feel like if you've never played Binding of Isaac, it is probably, assuming you like that kind of game, which I unfortunately don't, but if I did, I would love to dive in right now because it's like, wow, what a content-rich experience. Yeah. After it's years never... and years of having it worked on. Yeah. I think one of the problems with a lot of procedurally generated games right now is that, yeah, it's procedurally generated, but it still somehow manages to be boring, right? Yes. Like, I'm still mm. seeing the same things over and over again. I'm still seeing the exact same monsters over and over and over again. It doesn't feel like the gameplay experience is any different, even though you're offering me this thing that's supposed to be sort of, like, random. Well, that, uh, was, that was definitely a problem I had with uh, The Curious Expedition. Oh, you've played that. I have not tried yes. that yet, because uh, I was a huge fan of Renowned Explorers, which I'm told is... A fairly similar game about, you know, you get a party together and you explore a strange island or whatever, and people saying, oh, you should try the Curious Expedition, but I never got around to it. What, what What's the issue with that game? Well, I've played it a bit, and each time you, like, start a campaign, you lock yourself into six, like, adventures successively. Mm-hmm. And they just, every adventure sort of feels the same to me. You go to a strange land, you find a native village or two, you kill a tiger, and then you find a golden pyramid. <laughs> And it's not like Isaac, where the gameplay fundamentally changes based on the random roles. It just all feels like, you know, the same adventure, but you're taking a different path each time. Right. Round Explorers has a similar issue, but I think it gets away with it because (coughs) the actual combat system behind it is very in-depth. There's a... It's very interesting the way that they have created these different uh, systems in different states that interact with each other. And as a result, you kind of go through it, it feels very much like each island feels kind of like an FTL run. And it's always going to have a theme, it's going to have a set of enemies that are specific to that island, a set of encounters. You're obviously not going to see every encounter every time. But the combat and the core loop is just so good, and you feel like you're always getting better at it, that you get over seeing the same thing multiple times. It's still enjoyable. Yeah, well, if the gameplay is fun to play, that compensates, doesn't it? It does. You you play it, you get the catharsis. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think the Curious Expedition goes for a bit more of a focus on storytelling. Right, like less pen combat. And paper RPG thing. Combat's done with sort of a dice-rolling pen-and-paper style system. Oh, okay, yeah. 
So yeah, it kind of loses something because you're seeing the same encounters all the time. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily find that interesting as a result. I think, you know, with Explorers, it was definitely a case of, I just love this hex-based combat based on the emotional states of the different characters on the screen so much. I like to be able to befriend a sheep and make it run off and win <laughs> and win the fight that way. That's yeah. That will never get old for me. And you can you can just... Even if every other aspect of a game is terrible, if hitting things feels good, it's still worth playing in my eyes. Mm. Well, that brings me to another game I've been playing this week, which was uh, Mother Russia Bleeds. Ooh. Oh, yeah. How'd you feel about that game? I I liked it because it is very cathartic. You, you hit something and it sounds like you've punched a bag full of Doritos and slime. <laughs> That's satisfying. It is a messy game. I mean, I looked I, it at it. It wouldn't be as fun if it wasn't messy. Indeed. It's part of the catharsis. It gave me a bit of a Splatterhouse vibe in the sense yeah. of when you punch things, they explode into bones and meat kind of thing. Well, not so much, well, not, not just that, but Splatterhouse also had like a, a sliding tackle move, which you ended up relying on for most of the game as well. Yeah. it's It has drawn some controversy for just being horrible, but I mean... <sighs> Well, sure. what do you want? It's, it's Devolver Digital, what do you want? Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, it, it seems like it's very deliberately designed in that way. You're not really supposed yeah. to feel what you're doing is a pleasant act, mm. which is but fine. It, well, they do sort of present it in an almost sort of cartoonishly wholesome kind of way. Interesting. I mean, the way it's presented is like a brightly colored pixel art uh, four-player brawler. It's sort of distancing right. itself from the, you know, the actual gritty realism of the stuff inside it mm. yeah you see what i mean yeah I'm, I'm sort of getting the vibe from from watching a northern lions playthrough in the background right here that's currently on the screen for people yeah a lot of blood a lot of you can punch people into the ground that that to me very much gives me a a hotline miami vibe yeah it's, it's the a very they have very... an aesthetic that they love for sure like mm. at devolver just in general <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting to point that out because Devolver, of course, is not a developer. They're a publisher, but yeah. Yeah. they tend to go for a certain kind of game, Yeah, I've noticed. and Pixel art and gore. Yes, both of those things. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, all right, it's it's colorful and cartoony, yet adult. It has gritty themes. It can be, you know, particularly gross, if that's a... I, I don't like that word. I think it's a silly word. It's a childish the word. The word gross? Gross, yeah. It's just, I feel like that's an underutilized word. You think it's underutilized? I think it's yeah. overdone now these days uh, on the internet. It's It seems to be a generic word for I don't like it and I'm sort of put off by it, but I can't quite identify why. Right. Mm. Sort of a, a just a filler term more so than anything else. Grotesque? Would that Gro be a better word? A, that's a great word that's underused. You know, it's got a Q in it. And not many words we use online have that, especially when they don't start with it. So I think we should go for that. This guy, I'm watching the screen right now and looking at Mother Russia Bleeds, and uh, he's fighting pigs, quite literal pigs. Yes, you That's... get to beat pigs to death. Mm, I, I, I was like always it. a huge fan of Streets of Rage, and I always felt like the combat in that was incredibly cathartic because of the amount of impact that's going on. I'm getting that vibe yeah. from this. That's definitely, yeah, impact is definitely the word. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of splodge when you hit something and uh, bits of it come off. That's yeah. I need to try. It. I, I've had the I've had review code for this a couple of weeks. I just have not got around to it. Wow, that pig's head just exploded. Huh? That was unnecessary. <laughs> no, I mean, looking disagree. at this game, disagree. <laughs> 
the none sun- of this is necessary it's games for god's sake absolutely you know and i i like that it's it's nice sometimes just to at the end of it feel like it's like you know i've done a bunch of horrible things but it's video games and that made me feel better hmm. there's, there's not quite enough video games that let you do that it's like well we have an important moral message to share with you it's like, I'm, I'm, you know sometimes i'm i'm up for that it's not like games can't do that absolutely they can most of the time they ham fist it horribly and then there are some times when you're just punching a ham with yeah, a fist, fisted. and that feels ham fisted. Um, oh, oh! It's like, was it clever? Was it dumb? Who knows? But <laughs> I, I want to beat the shit out of some pigs now. And topical, so clever. Absolutely, I want to beat the shit out of some pigs. I'm gonna. Oh, gross! But like so clever. Uh, I want to play the shit out of this. This actually looks great. I don't know why I haven't got around to playing it yet, but. So your yeah, overall sort of opinion it, of it is pretty good, right? Yeah, I'd recommend it. Cool. Excellent. I, what was the last um, game that Devolver put out that sucked? <clears throat> oh. Because they've got a pretty good track record right now, I think. They're not necessarily for everyone. It's not for everyone, guys. But uh, hmm, I'm, I'm looking through the list of stuff that they released by release date. So what did they put out? Uh... Mother Russia Bleeds, obviously. Uh, oh. Something called Neurovoida. Oklos, that's the Greek mob simulator game that we all rather liked. Yeah, that was L- pretty fun. A little bit of Pikmin, a little bit of beating up giant Greek gods, and a uh, little bit of Discworld. For fuck's sake, they published Reigns, which was a lovely little game. Oh, uh, yes, I played that. Ah, oh, it's great. That's the only reason to use my phone that I found in the last six <laughs> months or so. Um, they they it's also like Crusader published... Kings meets Tinder. Yes, absolutely, absolutely that, yeah. Also, did you know they published a bunch of weird short indie films? Really? Indie films? Really? Yeah. So I did they not pub- know that. So they published a five-part documentary called Let's Play, which is about making indie games. But they also published a few other movies. Please Hold is a short comedy about the frustration of call centers, the idiocy of online dating, and the utter bamboozlement that comes to one poor chat when his dream woman moves in next door. And her head explodes. It's awesome. Uh, bamboozlement. <laughs> bamboozlement. The dog house. A man becomes obsessed with discovering why his a new dog's former owners gave him up for adoption. Uh, that's a movie. Canis Belly. Demon dog. Demon December dog. 1915. A young British soldier ventures into no man's land only to find his beliefs challenged in a way that he could have never possibly expected. Uh, <laughs> the Mechanical Bride. Discover the state of the art in artificial companions from life-size silicon love dolls to humanoid robots and the men who build and love them. Go on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they've published a bunch of those. They actually have now a company called Devolver Digital Films. And, oh God, that's creepy as fuck. I just went to the Mechanical Bride screenshots and I am terrified. You're not, not into it? I uh, don't like it? I just want to see if I can find a trailer for this on YouTube so I can inflict it on all the viewers right now. Because this is terrifying <laughs> shit. Like that, our viewers—they're gonna be like, "I'm downloading that shit." Uh, <laughs> yeah, go, go buy it for one night. Yeah, Devolver Digital has. on Twitch. That seems like such a whimsical thing for them to do. It's almost like we have a lot of money now. Let's now have a film division for the sake <laughs> of it. It's well, like we're now too rich for our own good. The start of this trailer is highly bizarre. It's all sort of 1920s monochrome with him building a doll, and that. Oh, jeez, God. 
It, it didn't. Oh. Right. Uh, that was tits. Uh, hmm. Okay. We, if we're kicked off. <laughs> I, said, I said, don't get us banned on Twitch. If we're kicked off Twitch in the next 20 minutes, that's yes. why. <laughs> They're so not real breasts. That, even I'm though so they look. That happened. Here's a bunch of silicon heads. Oh, God. It. Oh, God, it thrusts its pelvis. I'm done. I'm done. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Devolver Digital, what the fuck have you done? What's Are you surprised? This seems right up their alley. It actually does. That's the sad Like exactly the sort of movie they would be like, if anyone was going... Here's the money. I need to make a gif over the break of that slowly gyrating doll and just put it on That was the slowest thrust I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god. Stop watching right before they just started beating everything to death with pigs. <laughs> wow. I um, yeah, so I, I don't I don't wanna I'm not gonna judge their film division. I think their game division's doing pretty well. Their film division might need a little work. Flawless, uh, guys, keep it up. I think we should all watch this film and then uh come back and do a full review, a full extra co-optional video podcast. It still will not change my opinion. We're already a video podcast. We don't podcast about video, like so like a video podcast videos. about video, a movie podcast. All right, but this is with the same company that published Hatterful Boyfriend. I just want to point that out. Pigeon dating, mechanical podcast. breasts, perfect yeah. together. It's yeah. Lovely, absolutely. Wow, yeah. mind blown. Well, Incredible. it's having sex with birds, isn't it? Devolver oh, yeah. Digital is currently down, apparently. Oh, we crashed DevolverDigital.com because everyone bomb-rushed the site trying to find everybody it. Because everybody was like, boobies! Great. Sorry, Devolver Digital. Uh, We're such simple, simple creatures. I don't think we owe them an apology for that, honestly. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, you apologize, Devolver Digital. Uh, apologize absolutely. to the world. Absolutely. For, for scarring me for life with that trailer. Good Lord. I'm surprised that trailer is still on YouTube with their now ad-friendly content policy. Mm. I would have thought slowly gyrating mechanical sex dolls were not advertiser-friendly. What are you speed. talking about, man? That's perfect advertising. Yeah, don't censor me. Free speech! Everyone, half the people watching this went off to go and find where they could get a gyrating mechanical pelvis. Free speech! <laughs> oh, dear God. Uh, anything else you've been playing this week that springs to mind? You know what? I've been on a huge uh, Quake One kick recently. Any specific reason? I was going to say, was that inspired by something specific? I don't know. I guess it was, you know, because the new Doom came out this year, of course. Mm. And I played that, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it was great. But I, I tried to like just play it in a more, more casual setting, but it just felt like a bit of a faff. Starting the game, <laughs> going through all the screens, loading up, and then I thought, here's Quake. It's fast. You can just load it up and be straight into it. And it's the same sort of fast-paced 90s shooter combat I was after. I just, yeah, I just got weirdly into it. I played through the whole thing on like hard, then tried again on nightmare, and then tried again, but without quick saving. Are you yeah. like so excited for the next one? Are you like no. so quick? He's not no. much of a multiplayer fella, honestly. No, I'm not. A, I'm not online multiplayer sort of thing. I, no. I, I just played through all the monster, the single player monster stuff. And the new Quake, I'm not seeing much of the original Quake in that. No, Quake, it's champ Quake Champions. That's what, it's, yeah. Definitely more Quake 3 Arena than anything else, you know. Mm. It, the, the, the weird thing about Quake 1 being that, you know, it was built as a single player game, but it eventually evolved into Quake World, which really was the yeah. godfather of online multiplayer shooters, you know. 
huge well, it's just because it was a really time. simple the engine was just a really simple framework you could just did anything you wanted in you could i remember playing all sorts of incredible mods for quake airquake mm. which turned it into a sort of behind a fighter oh. game did you ever uh, play slide quake oh yeah was that that was the one where you just sort of had to surf along the the different surfaces and bounce all over the place right yeah and you only accelerated when you were on a downward slope yeah it was skiing basically yeah yeah it was skiing i, I used to play a lot of that just by myself just trying to beat my times was a game called Trem mod called Tremulous, which turned it into a real-time strategy. Also, Quake Wars, and then weirdly enough, there was actually a game called Quake Wars that came out after that. Mods Had nothing great. to do with it. God, uh, yes, uh, they absolutely mm. are. It's Jesus. You know, Isn't it weird when major companies really hate mods? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird when that when their name is Sony? Shut down that whole thing, like it's not going to breathe new life into their game and keep it relevant for longer isn't that weird i mean it'd be absolutely terrible if you gave control to your users they could do horrible things they're gonna they, do yeah. terrible things to the game really yeah, terrible. i mean yeah, we like, can't give them that much control i ensure it's still playable 10 years down the line yeah, like that. indeed well the thing is if you do that then you can't sell them a remaster later down the line or something oh. along the lines of duke nukem world oh my gosh Tour. so true how Christ. are we gonna make money if we allow mods yeah, we need to be able to release this game once Not again. Not like people would buy that game much later because of a mod so that they could play the game. Oh, totally not. That's never happened in the history of gaming. No one, you know, a mod has never revived the sales of an older title. It's no. It's a shame that it's that'll a, never happen. Yeah, it's a shame that will never happen. You're right. You know, it could, but it's just a pipe dream right now. Just a pipe dream. Well, a new definitive edition, though. Well, the new Doom was trying to do that integrated mod thing, wasn't it? Which isn't a terrible idea per se, but the weird thing about really. SnapMap is that I assumed SnapMap would actually be a hell of a lot easier to use than it was. Is if it not? Want... I, I thought that it was. Like, so pretty... I, when I was uh, preparing for the video on it, I spent a good six or seven hours watching tutorial videos of how to do things in that editor. If you want to make a map, it's super okay. easy. If you, all you want to do is put preset rooms together into a map for your friends, that's a piece of piss. If you want to do anything more complicated than that, it has a full-on scripting system in it. Mm, I've heard it's a bit technical. I played uh, one mod yeah, it is. around when it came out, which was like a Harvest Moon mod. Oh, yeah. you. Th there are some things you can do. I was trying to build a very, very basic kind of League of Legends-esque game where ah. I could get dudes to oh. spawn on either side and you could collect currency to buy weapons. It took me about six hours to learn how to do the very, very basics of that. And then I ran into the limitations of the actual program because it because of uh, the fact that it has to run on consoles as well, you're yeah. usually limiting the number of uh, units you can spawn at any given time, which made the whole thing very difficult. But now apparently there are some real mods that do that and mm. actually work pretty well. But... It's probably still an inferior version of Forge for Halo 5 at that point. How many, um, like, what's the concurrent user base like on that game right now? For Doom? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. We'll find out by Steam charts. I imagine it's probably not that high because, I mean, the when the multiplayer came out, it wasn't what a lot of people wanted. Yeah. I didn't hate the multiplayer, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't what i thought it would be it was a bit slower there was less movement involved it felt a little bit halo like with the two weapon system and everything like that you know mm. i really just and they've now finally released this or they're about to an actual proper death match i mean they launched doom without a death match mode everything was like team based or something along those lines there was no you go in with a pistol find your weapons everyone's trying to kill each other you find your power-ups you kill each other that way that mode didn't exist 
and that to me was mind-boggling because i would have mm. played i think a lot more of it if i could just jump in and do a bit of that concurrence right. wise about two and a half thousand a day um i don't know how many of those are playing single player and how many are playing multiplayer though um, but i don't think the i don't think the editor thing ever really took off in a way that people were willing to spend enough time to make a really good level for it yeah so if you're gonna do like you know make your own game stuff within a game if you're that way inclined there's plenty of stuff that you can do that without having to be tied to a game these days mm -hmm. you can just mess around with unity or game maker it's surprisingly easy in fact there are entire companies yes. who have made their livings on just doing that yes i released a game maker more than one game maker game on steam that you did what what yes. is it called i made a game called the consuming shadow which is what? a lovecraftian roguelikey game that is wonderful. Can Where can we find it? And how much it. does it cost? You can get it on Steam for $9.99. That wow. is a bargain. Incredible. Yes. You're practically <laughs> giving it away. I bet I it's a I also made a like the zero punctuation game Hatfall. The Hatfall in, game, uh, yeah. Game Maker. Which also has a Steam release, but it's also playable on browsers. But there's more features in the Steam release, so yeah. there you go. We should all head to Steam right now. Yes. Absolutely. Have a look on Steam right now. Play it during the break. That sounds like an awesome idea. I concur. Absolutely. Speaking of sellout, squarespace.com slash co-optional. <laughs> yep. Get 10% of your first order from the sponsor of our show today. We're going to play an ad that I wrote about three hours ago. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be any good, but frankly, it never is. Squarespace.com slash co-optional. After that, we'll be taking a break. When we come back... Yet more casual game discussion and all sorts of other things. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Special guest Ben Yarty Croshaw. Don't come anywhere. We'll be right back. Pew, pew, pew. John, we need to have a serious talk about the financials. We're in dire need of new sponsorship. Don't we have Squarespace? Squarespace haven't been so happy with your ad scripts as of late and reduced their monthly payout. To how much? About tree fitty. 3.5k? Well, that doesn't sound so bad. No, 350, as in $3.50. Oh. Well, don't we still have the YouTube AdSense revenue? Thanks to the new ad-friendly policy, it is now literally impossible to create a video that is considered friendly enough to advertisers to place ads on. What about too many sodding games? They misheard it as too many Sodom games. It offended the religious right, who forced our advertisers to pull out. After hour? References alcohol and encourages children to attend underground back alley speakeasies in pinstripe suits. The advertisers want nothing to do with it. WTF is? It's highly offensive to the identity of a video game. It can be whatever it wants to be, and you should use its appropriate pronouns. Damn it. That only leaves the Co-Optional Podcast free of profanity, adult themes, partial nudity, sexual humor, controversial subjects, natural disasters, and human tragedy. Exactly. You need to sell more sponsor space on the show right now, or the company is going to go under. I've got just the thing. I'll create a website on Squarespace that showcases our content portfolio for the sponsors. After seeing the high-quality, professional, and completely politically correct content of the Co-Optional Podcast, big brands will be flocking to advertise on the show. Okay, get back to me when you have something. All right. It should be easy to showcase all the amazing aspects of the podcast. Well, first, let's talk about the structure. Uh, hmm. Structure. Uh, flexible. Yeah, let's just go with that. All right. Well, what about the pedigree of our hosts? Let's start with a list of Jesse's accomplishments. Oh, we can come back to that. Uh, what about Dodger's amazing weekly contributions to the show? Number one, she's on the show. Number two, she's got a webcam. Number three, speaks relatively fluent English. Number four, 
Four. Hmm. Well, you know what? Less is more. Let's just keep it nice and concise. Now, why should you advertise on our show? Well, somehow we've convinced about 300,000 people to tune in every week to hear our cutting-edge, insightful industry commentary. How did we do that? Did we bribe them with 10% off their first order at squarespace.com slash co-optional? Did we convince them through years of hard work and consistency to ch- <laughs> No. No. Did we utilize subliminal messaging to force our viewers to watch our trite nonsense? Not only is it possible, it's highly likely, and you, the sponsor, can benefit from that. Market to an audience of over 300,000 people that have no idea why they're watching. But somewhere deep down in their subconscious, they know that they must. Just listen to these incredible testimonials from our long-term sponsor. At first we thought it would be a great idea to advertise on the Co-Optional Podcast, but... Now we're locked into a long-term contract that we can't legally dissolve without an expensive court battle and our ads are basically Tumblr fanfiction. Squarespace. You too can join this prestigious lineup of incredible companies. Just browse our awesome portfolio that we totally made on Squarespace to loosely tie to this advert. Do you want your product poorly advertised with a series of crappy in-jokes and barely any reference to your features such as domain names with no hidden fees, powerful e-commerce tools, professionally designed templates that you could set up in just minutes, and dedicated support from a team of incredibly smart people? Of course you do. Also, in the process, you could really use a better website, so sign up today at squarespace.com cooptional Squarespace, set your website apart. Please give us money. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. Jesse, you seem to have discovered maybe the worst thing on Steam to date. I disagree. I think it might be the best thing on Steam to date. Uh, it's a game called Badass Babes. Yeah, I and believe. Badass Babes. Ass. <laughs> 95% positive reviews, can't be wrong. Yeah, it has positive reviews. It must actually be like good shit somehow. Somebody did. Yeah. It must be good shit in there. <laughs> Jim Sterling created a video of it two days ago entitled Badass Babes Ad Friendly Content. Half of this video we had to pixelate out because <laughs> the game has, amongst other things, um, multiple gaping assholes and. Yes. Giant yes. penises, statues wow. of giant wiggly Here's penises. Also, according things to come out of them, but not the things you expect. According no. to this video, some of the finishing moves that I've seen so far is one girl flashes her boobs and a snake appears and eats people. One girl <laughs> comes out of her vagina that then hits people. One girl, her butt shoots like meat out of it. What? One girl, one girl yeah. she exposes her breasts and everyone like explodes into flames, which I feel like is a problem. It's a horrible problem. You know, I didn't want to keep my Twitch account anyway, so let me uh, show you a little <laughs> bit of this. <laughs> be careful. Look, it's up. It's mm, oh. just be careful. <laughs> so what they did with it is this. This is reminiscent of a lot of the old motion captured fighting games from the Mortal yeah. Kombat era. Yeah, there was a big glut of those after Mortal Kombat was popular, and there none was. of them had the same. You know, kind of funding behind it. I'm pretty sure oh they're all is... terrible. I recall correctly. Can you play this with me for Fan Friday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. I won't be able to monetize any of it. I don't give a fuck. I must play this game. It's just, I, I don't. Th technology has not helped this genre <laughs> oh or style God. at all. It has not got any better. It's, mm. you know, th this. It, the sad thing is, a game like this could almost have like, if it was done, that that's a. She there's a dragon that came out of her nipples. Yeah. Fuck me. It hasn't wow. happened for us yet. Don't spoil. No spoilers. Yeah. Well, where else could it come out of? The... Oh, there we go. There are the alternatives. Oddly enough, we didn't see Booby there. 
We just no. saw. Oh, you can you can buy blow up. This is a this is actually a. What what is it with us and silicon blow up dolls this week? That's more of them. They I like how the zombies like mm, women. If this was done right, you could make something that is a giant parody of this and probably make it fun and amusing. But it doesn't look like this is a parody of anything. They're taking this far too seriously. What yeah. do you mean? You think this game is taking itself too seriously? Yes, I just... Have you read the dialogue? Meat comes out of somebody's asshole, John. <laughs> I just... You think somebody was putting together this game and was like, this is going to be... I think they probably... This is the kind of way. game where they would write a law reason for that. So well, I'm looking, I feel like there I'm, is. I'm looking at the about this game thing, and, it's, and it literally says it features a cheesy B-grade plot and over-the-top moves. So obviously they're not taking it seriously. It just still gives me, even that, it still gives me that vibe. Her bra is a dragon. Her bra <laughs> becomes a dragon. I want to know the backstory of that. Why is it? <laughs> dragon. Where did the, that, that's more breasts. Great. We are not keeping this channel open past today, I think. We have ruined everything. Sorry, I have this effect. Is, indeed. This is the final co-optional, at least we'll go out on a high, right? This is the final <laughs> co-optional podcast. What? 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 <laughs> It, that woman punched wow. the other woman and she was like, okay, took her top off because of it. And then, like, and then started to and glow. And then just stood there. She yeah. knelt down and started to glow. There's, there's a that vehicle exactly section because how... of course there is. Yep. Rip. I'd just like to point out this game is developed and published by Thatcher Productions. So now <laughs> we know what she's been doing since she stopped being Prime Minister. Iron Lady, killing it. Since she stopped being alive, <laughs> she went into game development. That's one of the characters. She's made of iron. And her nipples pulling <laughs> little iron spears of people. It's great. Wow. This is immediately being bought. It, oh it exists. God. All right. Well, you do the video on that for Fan Friday. I, oh. I look forward to your commentary on oh. this disgraceful um, thing. An actual good game that both Jesse and I played is uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Ah, yes. Yeah. Played uh, quite a few hours of that on stream with Sam and Crendor. They're, there's they're four really going for the one. whole, we really want to show this through streamers and YouTubers thing this time around, aren't they? They are, yeah. They, they're giving a, they've given a lot of access to this game quite early on. Like, they've been very open with their development process. Mm. I mean, the first yeah. one was, I didn't get to play much of it, because honestly, I don't have the time to play big RPGs anymore. But what I played of it, it was pleasantly old school. It wasn't afraid to let you fuck up and kill a quest giver. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there were many wonderful. times when Jesse and I were playing super early on uh, where Jesse would kill somebody and they'd be like, no. I wound up playing... There was such a great story behind that person and you murdered them. <laughs> yeah. I wound up playing quite a bit of the game with Sam. And I think Jesse played with Crendor. Is that right? Uh, I mean, a little bit. I mostly played it by myself. The first one, I played by myself because Crendor, lovely guy. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get anything done. So I, oh, I saw, I mean, I saw flickers of that in the four of us playing last week, which by the way, we're planning on playing more of it this week. So yeah. it, it does uh... look quite wonderful. And that, that series has always had a very self-aware sense of humor. And it, you look at it as like, oh, divinity, that sounds, you know, very, very serious. But I mean, it's not at all. It's actually quite a silly high fantasy game. That's a curious parallel with the Sacred series, isn't it? Yeah, actually. Which went horribly downhill. Certainly did. 
Was it Sacred 3 that was awful? It was Sacred 3 that was awful, wasn't it? Sacred 3, nothing is. Yeah, apparently not. Which is a shame. I remember Sacred 2 having some really interesting ideas in terms of classes you could play, like including a robot Egyptian Horus-type thing with a plasma cannon in its arm. That was a playable class. Yep. And that's it. and they also got Blind Guardian to record an in-game concert, which is even more wonderful. Eight minutes of orcs and awesome stuff. And then the third one was like a crappy Diablo without any of the good Diablo bits in it. Feels like it fell victim to the let's make it multiplayer focused. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you might be right there. But uh, in terms of improvements for Original Sin Two, you mentioned they had a what a four-player multiplayer mode now. Yep. Yeah, so the first one you could be you could do two player. This mm -hmm. one has four player. Um when you're creating the character creation system is a lot has been developed quite a bit. Uh in this one you can choose like a race and things like that. Um it also has you choose an instrument and we haven't an instrument. At least, yeah, at least I haven't figured out why that is yet uh, you, you can choose specific tags for your characters you can develop them more than just like because you're a lizard man you act this way you can add things to that and subtract things to be like i'm a lizard man but you know what i'm a, I'm a sensitive lizard man and that plays into conversations that you have so those mm -hmm. tags will like show us like this is how you could answer this conversation so they kind of like personality traits that you can add yes, to your character yeah, and mm -hmm. yeah because oh, like, oh, that was one of the things that was so cool with divinity original sin is you would talk with people and depending on like your intelligence or your charisma or things like that it would add you know, dialogue lines. Like an old um, RPG, like the good ones. Yeah, 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 the classic ones. Exactly. And then those things could get better or worse depending on confrontations that you had with the other player um, because that's how the co-op aspect would play in is that something big would happen and then you could have a conversation with the other person and either argue about what you were going to do or have a discussion that sort of revealed something about yourself that would affect your stats um, and that could play into later dialogue options as well. I love well. that idea of, you know, being mm -hmm. able to... I, in terms of RPGs with co-op, anything that's got a dialogue tree, it was always like, well, how the hell does that work in co-op? I love mm -hmm. the notion that you literally argued with each other over the decision yeah. that you were making. That's great. That's Yeah, awesome. it was very cool. Because this is also a game that isn't, like, go directly here or go do this. Like, it doesn't send you to do a direct thing. You sort of pick up on what you're supposed to do by talking to people. Mm -hmm. Uh the four player really helped because we all sort of went our different paths. And at one point when we were playing, Crendor decided to get at like animal speech so we could talk to animals. Okay. And one of the animals was this rat that was like, oh man, I, it's oranges. I smell oranges. I don't know what's going on with oranges. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Crendor, for that information. <laughs> but what happened was, is much later, you discover that there's a guy way off in the woods who, like, as a, like, he, he wakes up from a dream and he's like, Oh man, oranges. I love oranges. And it all connects together to an actual quest eventually. And you're like, if like how'd that even happen? How did we get a quest out of this? But all those little bits helped us solve a thing and escape the first area, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's one of the ways that they wind up making it so that you can kill literally anybody, is that there are lots of different ways to sort of wind up in the same place. Um, you guys were literally in the middle of a quest when I 
caught up with you. And I was like, oh, this is the dude that that lady over there was talking about might have a map to be able to get us out of this place. And you guys were like, we don't care. We're already, we're already doing it. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, never mind. But I was able to still talk with the guy and like, be like, oh, I met so-and-so and get more information out of him. So I, th- I think, yeah, that's the way that they make it so that you can kill a quest giver because you don't necessarily need a quest giver. You can still wind up doing the same quest or being involved in the same storyline um, because there's so many different ways that it like creates. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it, and, and the, it the reminds me of playing like a pen and paper RPG where the dungeon master is going to contrive a reason, even if you fuck up in yeah. a variety mm-hmm. of ways. Like, well, I've got to think of some way that'll let them do this. It's almost mm-hmm. like you know they've pre-thought of all the stupid shit that the players could do. But I do it's like the idea of having four like people together so you can get your heads together. Because the problem I've got with the whole, well, the questing requires you to pay attention thing is that I then just get stuck and don't figure it out. But mm-hmm. if you yeah. have a bunch of people together, you can figure it out between you. That would probably be a lot more pleasant to play, I think. Well, it's it's you're absolutely right that it's very much like you're playing a, a tabletop RPG and that the the DM has like, this is where you're going to go. Like, you all need to get to the city. But the process of getting there, there's like 12 ways that you can get there. And in this case, you're trying to escape from this island to begin with. And literally, there were numerous ways you could do it. And I think we just did almost all of them because we could. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I love the way they put this game together. Mm-hmm. It does look very promising. It's interesting because a lot of RPGs that do the string of pearls thing where you can go different paths, but it sort of feels annoying. They all lead to the same place. Mm-hmm. Maybe the difference is just having more ways to do, like the whole different, whole weird, weird network of connections. Yeah, well, make I, it I, make it less of a sort of obvious. Uh, what was the um? It was the thing for well, Mass Effect. No was it's like it's like, wide in the middle and then it all yeah. comes together at the end, sort of thing. So what happened in the middle? There's so really very matter. little obvious about this game that I think like that's what makes it work is that it will not ever hold your hand, and so. Yeah. You're just kind of stumbling in the dark to begin with. And then when we did that, and then we started figuring stuff out, and it was like we clicked as a team real quick. It took like an hour or so. But once we did, we, it was, we were getting stuff done. And yeah. it, it, the thing about it is it's a game about exploration. So you get a ton of experience for exploring, but it's also a game where a guy that's one level above you can still destroy your ass, like ruin you. And so it, it's about being slow and methodical, but also at the same time, being willing cooperating, to cooperating, like actually working as a team matters a lot in fights being like, okay, so I'm going to do this. And then you make sure that you're over there and you try to get around this place because you don't have any ranged stuff. And doing that again and- is a tabletop feel as well, isn't it? You know, that's mm-hmm. the sort of thing that would happen in a board game or in a pen and paper, you know, that's sort of the social planning aspect of a battle. Like in theory, yeah. you could all do all of this yourself in a sort of single player environment, but it's a hell of a lot more fun to put your heads together and try and work you out of a problem. Yeah, and then you end up finding a guy who is like a crucified demon who's electric, and you all walk up to him and then all die. And like, all of us insta died. And we because were like, why would you actually walk up to that? I don't know. I love a game that's not it. afraid to I, like, let you fail. That's, that's I talked nice. to this lady, and the lady was like, I'm, I'm watching this dude over here who's been crucified, and two other people have died. And I was like, interesting. And so I told yeah, you walk up else, to it. Yeah, I was like, everybody else, hey, there's this really interesting like quest, I think, over here. So everybody gathered around me. We all <sighs> walked up together and we all instantly died. Except, <laughs> for, except for Krendor, who watched us die, then goes, 
I'm going to try and sneak past, and then gets killed anyway. <laughs> so funny. Like, why? So you saw a giant crucified demon? And he killed all of us. And oddly I guess enough. He killed all guess, of us. guess you haven't watched Neon Genesis Evangelion and didn't know to stay away? No, yeah. we didn't. Well, we I didn't. mean, the quest text tells you to do that, and I just love the way that... I think we've been conditioned in many ways to assume that everything is sort of interactable, interactive and won't sort of kill yeah. you if it's a quest object. Oh, I because... bet we could oh, yeah. talk to him. No. Yeah, I bet we could talk to him or whatever. <laughs> or I'm the chosen one. I won't be affected by this thing that affected everybody else prior to me. I just saw yeah. the fact that games just willing to say, no, you idiot. Like, it just said you shouldn't do that. Why did you go and yeah. then do it anyway? That's, so, that's the that's other nice thing approach. that's kind of nice is that, I mean, we're a few hours in. We ain't the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> we're just some fucking prisoners who don't yeah. want to be there <laughs> and like I think that that's kind of cool too is well, presumably there'd be a point in the game where you would be able to go up to the crucified demon and not immediately die yeah I hope so but at the same time if that if that moment never exists and that guy just always insta kills you I'm also kind of cool with that like okay, yeah. it's just a game that fucks with you yeah. yeah it's like don't go up to the obvious death trap it's like, well, maybe I'm going. No, it's still a death trap. Don't, don't do it. Just don't. It's put there to. It's, it's an idiot check. That's yeah. put there to. Well, I don't think that's fair. I mean, games are like designed based around encouraging you to go towards the dangerous thing. I mean, then, then to say, "Hi, you went towards the dangerous thing, you idiot!" Stab. That seems a little unfair. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's nice. I think it encourages a common sense approach, and instead of a nothing could ever possibly go wrong, I'm always going to be protected or given a second chance. It's nice for a game to suddenly turn around and say, "No, no, don't, don't stand in the fire." It's like, but I've got to put. No, the fire's bad. Stop it. You know, use use your common sense and avoid it. I think the, the weird thing about divinity in well, this when you as talk well. about crucified demons with lightning around them. I think common sense sort of drifted away at that point. I mean, granted, don't stand in the fire. We all know not to do that. So you don't know about that crucified demon. You might, you might, you know. Well, now we do. Now we've learned our lesson. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Now you've learned. Now you're oh. dead. Yeah. Now I you would... can apply your lesson. Thank goodness. Uh, Sam is constantly auto-saving. Constantly or, or constantly saving while we're playing. I would just love if that was one mystery that everyone assumed there was a way to eventually solve it, but they there just never was. And people spent months trying to figure right. out that demon. And maybe it was just a incredibly ridiculous Easter egg or something along those lines that somebody eventually came right. up with. Like the oh. pendant in Dark Souls. Absolutely. It's like, was it for? What's it for? Turns out, fucking nothing, you know? But it's a mystery, and it gets people talking, and it makes the whole environment of playing that game, especially together, far more interesting. It was like, um, I keep, I keep bringing up Fez every time that came out, when there was all those mysteries in that. It's like everyone trying to solve it. That was pretty great. Well, you made me think of uh, Resident Evil 7 now. Oh, the, the sort demo, of what, the, what's the, the meaning behind has, the demo? Yeah. Contains the mysteries that no one has resolved, probably because there's no way to resolve them. I just, we just got done playing the new update on Sunday. Oh, is there a new one? Yes, so... We found oh, a use for that bloody dummy finger yet. So, uh, <laughs> there is, and there isn't, because they're awful people. So, okay. <laughs> the, new, the new update uh, for Resident Evil 7 um, is essentially, they've added a new room. And then and, and you have to go through the same plot and path. But when you get to this new room, there are a bunch of new things in this new room. Uh, there's g ammo on the ground that you can pick up. You can now use the axe to break open boxes and grab ammo. Um, 
there is a dummy hand that you can stick the finger in and it makes like a pointer like that. Um, and then there's bloody writing on the wall that's like, it will, it will point you to where the graves are at. And that's it. And then you get another call from Ada Wong that's like, there are many doors and they'll all be open, but not yet. And you're like, and that's it. So it's like a, maybe 20 minutes of new content. It kind yeah. of sounds like it's gradually turning into a Resident Evil game. Yes. <laughs> bit Absolutely. by bit. Well, with that said... It's so uh, odd to just hear that a demo was being updated with content. That's not yeah, usual. They improved like, the graphics, or at least they changed the lighting to make it look a little better. Um, they added more places the young, creepy ghost girl can appear. Mm. Um, there's a lot to it that I still don't understand what the hell has to do with Resident Evil. But what I will say is right before we got on the air, I'm going to see if I can find this and send you the link. Um... At the Tokyo Game Show, I guess Twitch broadcast some of Resident Evil 7? And okay. it literally okay. looked... It, it's basically trying to hide from a crazy old scary woman, but it looks like every other scary game that's come out in the last... I don't even know how many years. It doesn't look like Resident Evil at all. So it's just first person, you got a flashlight, you got no visible means to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Which I'm not cool with. I don't like that idea <laughs> at all. I hate this. I think if yep. any series should not go in that direction, it's probably Resident Evil. Yeah. Well, it was, so, it was sort of doing the unnerving horror thing from the start. It just wasn't very good at it. It was extremely That's cheesy true. in the way that it was doing it. Yeah, I find... I th I, personally, I think Resident Evil 4 is the, still the only good one of that series. I it, recall you know... playing Code Veronica on Dreamcast and being fairly impressed by that. Uh, was I, was always very... more of a, I was more of a Silent Hill boy. Hmm. Me too. I'm too much of a coward to play Silent Hill games. Couldn't do Drop it. Drop that bomb in chat, too. Apparently, this is the... I linked it to everyone, and I, I guess this is footage from the actual game. That's what everyone's saying. It's Resident Evil 7 Biohazard PS4. It's basically just a first-person. You're walking first through a house, and an old creepy lady chases you. Yeah. yeah, and the, the oh, people God. are like Jesus. freaking out and scared, but it's not Resident Evil. I don't know what it is. And if it was going to be a reboot, why not just call it Resident Evil... Just That's Resident Evil. I guess Resident Evil, you could, you could argue Resident Evil in the sense that there's an evil residence. Mm -hmm. I guess that's true. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that actually, come to think of it, makes it the most Resident Evil with the exception of the first one. There's a house mm. for once. It's like, instead of anything else. I mean, to be fair, Resident Evil 6 went so far off the goddamn rails that one has to wonder what Resident Evil actually is anymore. Yeah, they really like, ran that into the corner, didn't they? Yeah, Wrote they that into the corner. Did. Because uh, they just brought all the characters and all the backstory back and then just made a big mess. Yeah. Like, like a child finger painting. Bizarre. It, but I, I'm just so intrigued by the way that they're doing this whole update the demo thing sort of as a constant both marketing strategy and kind of alt, you know, alternate reality game or whatever. I, I, I wonder if it'll work out because um, the thing about you know, demos is that they usually dominate the stream space and the news for a few days or weeks or whatever, if it's something like the Resident Evil 7 demo, and then people don't usually come back to them. No. The, the media doesn't usually come back to it. Yeah. I think if you could create always a compelling be new enough set of mysteries. Cycle. And yeah. that's, it seems like that's what they're trying to do. You know, the, as Jesse, you were mentioning, like the, and you mentioned it as well, the, like what's the use for the finger? What's the use for the axe and all that kind of thing? Right. I think what they're trying to do is generate enough interest in that story that websites will come back when someone finds a new thing or, you know, right. they update the demo or whatever, and that sort of keeps them in the news well, cycle. They also slowly change the world. So one of the hmm. things I think is interesting is that 
in the living room, one of the chairs is missing now. And the portrait of the family, it was two old people before. Now it's two parents with two kids. Um, there's a door that is now kind of covered over with mold. Like things are changing and it has that sort of mystery to it that will keep people coming back. I don't know if it's going to sustain itself. Like people will come back and play this one, but if this doesn't keep them gripped for the next time they update, then I don't know if that's going to be a huge success. But for the moment, it's like, all right, okay, I'm kind of into what you're doing. It's an interesting but, idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it's creating a story that's that intriguing, though. I mean, it's a spooky Texas Chainsaw house, and there's scary people in it. That doesn't seem that breaking too well, many. Well, I mean, they tr- they tried to pull a PT with it, didn't they? But Absolutely. They, yeah. But oh, then yes, all uh, of the the mysteries were just like, well, actually, there is no answer to this. It's just we, we just it's a dead end. It's a red right. herring. Mm. So yeah, if there, if there isn't some payoff quite soon, then yeah, people will probably lose interest in it. Yeah, I'm. I feel like a lot of people are trying to sell horror games off aesthetic, uh, which is mm. important for sure. But I think people are also now because there've been so many horror games, and we had that that huge influx of just interest in a lot of horror games kind of as a now of amnesia, people also really, want it? a new concept yeah you know? amnesia the slender thing mm. yeah i mean there's been a lot of outlast you like, are defenseless so run 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 hide yeah. hide hide games yeah uh, and, and for a long time people made the argument that that's what horror was supposed to be the inability to fight back i'm not sure i agree with that no i mean silent hill 2 is one of my most favorite games of all time and you can fight back in that but I guess the point is it doesn't feel like it's helping. Right. Yeah. You fight you fight things, you smack things about. You're fighting yourself, really. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You're fighting no. yourself. And all Dead the monsters Space look like they're already in pain. The first Dead Space game is literally my favorite horror game of all time. Like, Why? Oh, my God. <laughs> Fantastic. Why? It's so good. You're a crazy person if you but disagree. Why? Hey, th- that, th- that, that's a very Trump-like political statement. It's like, <laughs> it's great. It's amazing. If you don't agree with me, you're dumb. Uh, well, that's but- why he's going to win, and I oh, feel bad for our country. Jesus oh, my God, God. Jesse, stop. We're all going to die. Stop no, manifesting no. this. Have you, have you seen the polls? Have you seen the polls? It's over. Yes, I have. The, they're, not, they're nowhere near as bad as you make them out to be. But anyway, um, so anyway so why, why is Dead Space like the best okay, horror game so- in your eyes? Like, What's good about it? Well, one, you can fight back. It's uh, sure. pre- it's a premise that I dislike immensely. Um, uh, when looking at the footage of Resident Evil, there's an old lady grabbing you in the footage. In any reality, an old lady grabs me, I'm fighting old lady. And I expect to beat the old lady. It's not a battle I think I'm going to lose. Um, also, I think the, the premise, it wasn't just jump scary monster men. It was the overall feel and the story of you are t- like, I mean, it's all spoilers, but the idea of... Uh, I think we can probably there. spoil Dead Space 1 at this point. That's, that's mm. but the, the premise of, like, you were trying to find your girlfriend in, in this... Uh, and she's it's this crazy ship that it's more psychological than it is uh, about, like, the monsters, right? The scariest part of the game is the fact that you yourself are slowly going insane. And, uh, like, everything... I think it's brilliant. Everything down to the freaking, like, chapter titles... Is all psychological messing with you? Um, it's, it's. I think it's a very well put together like horror game. I couldn't say the same about the second or the third, but I feel like the first one is like it's a cohesive, not drawn out experience. Like a lot of horror games have that last section, which is I could do without this. Just remove it. And I think it it, it did it. 
did what it needed to do very, very well. And I uh, will never have a complaint about that game. The element that I liked about the Dead Space universe in general was that there was a layer of sort of religious cult-like behavior over the oogie-boogie-boogie aliens. It was yeah. a little bit absurd, though. Certainly. Like, yeah, these people just... Just uh, these crazy people in this Scientology-style cult who all act in the most ridiculous way imaginable because they're convinced they're going to go to heaven through all the horrible stabby monsters. That's, I'd have thought that moment, trope, the, moment the stabby monsters came out, people will be saying, hang on, I don't a remember mistake this. mistake was made. Up. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, that's a second and third game kind of like problem. But in the first one, it, the crazy people are, they get crazy because the, the, this giant obelisk of doom is making them that way. And so it, it, it isn't that they're like, yeah, no, this is a cool cult that we want to, it's, it's, they're just like warped into believing that this is the right way to do it. And so they go crazy and scribble on the walls. And I love that. I, I, something about that is always more scary to me that like walking into a room and seeing that something insane went down here, but the room being empty. Like, whatever happened right before you got there was nutso. System and you don't Shock know what 2 it was. was the master of that. Mm. Yeah, System Shock is awesome. Is well, I'm I guess also... this is a... Sorry. Sorry. So, shall I go first? Go for it. Well, I guess this is a subjective thing, but I didn't like Dead Space because I feel it had no subtlety whatsoever. It was all giant monsters jumping right out of you, all fully illuminated, going blah, 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 and getting right in your face. And every single time a monster appeared, there'd always be the same violin shriek on the soundtrack. It was it started getting predictable. And then and then they stopped. And then what would happen is it, like a grate would open with the violin shriek and nothing would come out. I love that shit. Like it got me. I don't know. It was, it's just like one of those things that the, it was so simply perfect in my mind. But it's also, you know. I think everyone has an idea of what they consider ho good horror. Mm -hmm. never, like what works for them. And yeah. it rarely ever matches up with anybody else. Like there's very few mm. times where if you go to a horror movie with a bunch of friends, half the people are going to love it and half the people won't. That's just like life. Uh, people just have different ideas of what scary is to them. I look down on horror that feels like it has to rely on jump scares. Mm -hmm. I think Dead Space was very jump scary. What is... I, this is... I. A great question that I would love to know the answer to because I am with you on jump scary stuff. Like after a while, you get over it. Like you're in the middle of playing, and that's why I like Dead Space because you just shoot and be like, "Fuck you guys!" Like I'm over it. And just like if there's a body on the ground, just decapitate it and move on because I'm not even gonna wait for the jump scare. But like in your eyes, what is a good non-jump scare horror game? Because Silent Hill Two. There, there. That's an old ass game. There are very <laughs> few. It holds up. But I'm saying like. Currently, I don't know that anyone's making a game that's scary that doesn't feature jump scares. Like, I would love to experience a new Silent Hill 2, but I don't know that there are any that are that currently exist. Well, the thing about the jump scare is that you experience it, you flinch, and then that's it. But the, I think the object of a horror story or game is to create a creeping sense, like something that you come back to when you think about it later, or that comes back to you when you're lying in bed that night. Like at the thought that it might be creeping in your closet right mm. this moment. But like, me, how do the, you translate that to, to a gaming experience, right? Like, that's it's. Well, Silent Hill Two, uh, just go back to that example, is a thing that gets inside your head. You, you're going into it thinking it's like the basic 
you know, find the person you're looking for in the haunted town. And then as you go through it, gradually it starts to turn inwards and you realize all the horror is stuff that you brought with you. As for recent games that do that, you're right. I can't think of many offhand. Didn't Soma have an element of that? Soma was good, but I think it was let down a bit by was trying to do the amnesia style monsters. Mm. Soma was let down because it tried to be... My opinion of Soma is that it was trying to be very intellectual for very stupid people. Like that's my opinion of what Soma was. I like I just I'm not a fan of what that game became. The premise is awesome. I don't yeah, like yeah. where they took it. I, I don't think like Soma it. Soma was a decent, creepy sci-fi horror concept trying to occupy the same space as a monster horror concept and they didn't really gel. I I would agree with you on that. I think that the monster parts of it were the parts I hated the most and the parts that were uh, really, really interesting about, you know, what it means to be alive and real and stuff were then downplayed in order to make the, like, like super scary. And I would have loved just a really good sci-fi version of that without it being like, oh, so this is really creepy. Like, it doesn't have to be. It, the thought of it alone is like, what, is that robot a real person like that alone should be like what like that should occupy your mind i don't mm. know it drove me crazy i i love horror that has some semblance of inevitability or some sort of thing that ends up being a recurring unstoppable force like that where the situation ends up being utterly hopeless i think mm. it, it was some early dead space lore that i read and maybe i just misinterpreted it that actually these creatures can't be killed and the whole point of taking their limbs off was to stop them coming after you. You know, right, that in theory, yeah. they were yeah. still immortal. And that I found that whole concept to be terrifying. That even if I still killed it, I, I didn't really. It still wanted me dead. It just was now physically incapable of doing so. But it would eternally want to murder me. Mm. Or if it's situated, you know, plenty of really good horror movies where they end up finally thinking that they have solved the issue they have banished the whatever it is i think it was the, the ring uh had that in particular yeah. that it's, it's like... i think it's fairly common in japanese horror have you yeah. read much um junji ito stuff yeah body horror for days he worked he does a lot of you know the inevitability of the horror stuff yeah mm -hmm. i think it was the uh the whole thing where they felt that they were doing a good thing by you know releasing this girl's spirit and then it ends up being that oh god, you've just made things an awful lot worse. And it's like, we tried to do something something good, and we assumed that this entity could be placated, it could be sort of turned back to the light, but it was actually just an inevitable evil. And yeah. sort of the goodness of your humanity is what caused everything to get oh, a lot god. worse. That, Chat, don't bring up a good horizon. piece of horror there. <laughs> oh dear. I already did. I can't, that, that movie to this day, I'm mentally scarred from that scene where it's just a shadow, but it's a dude puking up his in, like entire mm. inside of his body. I can't, it's burnt mm. up here. That movie got me. I imagine like, it would be. Yeah. The shit out of me. Well, exactly. It got to you. That's what it should do. Mm. That's yeah. what it but there's, al there's always an issue, I think, with it, uh, doing that sort of inevitability. You can't beat this as a game because I think everyone expects to be able to beat a game. And yeah. it's very difficult to pull that off otherwise. It People are talking about Amnesia, about how, like, what a great scary game that was. I think people subjectively remember, like, 
the water part, like in the sewer, which is oh amazing. god, I remember doing that. I mean, that That's was just that was pure on moment to moment jump scare horror. But yes. what Amnesia did well, I think initially that a lot of people pointed out was that it hinted at the monster, didn't right. show yeah. it for a while. But yeah, it also did. there there actually did, isn't anything for a yeah. long time in that game. Yeah, but what it also did well is. was it's almost sort of created jump scares organically. Mm -hmm. uh, there was very little scripted in the horror. Yeah, you just in a corner and there's the monster, and that, and then you piss yourself. Yeah, and <laughs> you you you, you, work, you start jumping at shadows. You worked yourself into that situation as well. You know, you saw things yeah. that weren't there eventually. It's when your mind is doing half the work where the exactly. horror is doing that's, well. That's when the horror is good, yeah. And I yeah. think that's the best part of that game because eventually you get to the point where you're interacting with the monster so much that it no longer becomes a scary monster. It becomes just like... They even kind of mock it. They even kind of mock it in the fact that you interact with the monster so much that at a certain point you find the monster brutalized and dead by another even worse monster. And you're just <laughs> like, oh boy. Yeah. And so... It, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think even they knew that eventually this monster that you're that's chasing you would not scare you. Wouldn't. And I like how they at yeah. least had that insight because a game like Outlast, the last forty-five minutes of that game is the same guy chasing you down different hallways, and it gets so repetitive so quickly that it's aggravating rather than frightening. Mm. I hate that big, game. That's my big horror genre. Like hate is when eventually it isn't scary anymore you're just like ready to fight you basically become every hero in every horror movie you're like we have to fight back i'm done and i, and I don't like that because you can't like in a horror movie in a horror game you can't you just have to keep playing until you eventually some awful ending happens where it's like you failed really i don't know mm -hmm. fair enough all right what else have we been playing this week don't you got anything yeah i played um i played a game Hold on, I want to get the name right. Uh, it's called Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Ah, uh, yes, I heard, I saw that one. Um, I played this game. It's it's apparently a, a student game. Okay. And I don't I don't know how I feel about this game, and it's kind of driving me nuts. I've okay. played quite a bit of it. I started playing it on stream, uh, and wound up stopping because it wasn't good for a streaming environment. But basically, you're a you're a, a robot, a, a very much sentient robot that's on a planet that is designed to pick up trash. That's just what you do. Okay. Uh, and you, at the beginning of the game, the game like informs you that you would rather not be there, that you would like to leave the planet, right? So at the beginning, I was thinking, okay, so this is going to be about me as a space janitor um trying to somehow get off this planet okay uh you learn how to pick up trash you start talking to people you realize there's like a trading mechanic if you find really good trash you could you know trade with somebody who is interested in that thing every day it changes what sort of things these different traders want there are different zones of the map and it doesn't really it's one of those games that kind of throws you in and you just have to figure it out you have to okay. like figure out how to live your life right so i was a little i was kind of interested in it if it on the assumption it was just going to be a game where you pick up trash because there's something i kind of like I about mean, games where you're just given a mundane task i kind of liked a viscera cleanup detail right and well, I, some, in the past i used to like playing euro truck simulator just because right. it's a simple arduous task you can do to relax listen to a podcast well what's 
what's interesting about this game, and I think why I'm still so intrigued with it, even though I can't tell if I like it or not, is that you're you wind up being cursed. You have this skull that's following you around, and you realize, okay, so the game, like my quest in this game is to become uncursed. Okay. But the longer that you play it, the game winds up more being about kind of this. I don't, I don't know. Like you pick up trash, the more trash that you pick up and, and get rid of, you get money the next day. Okay. But the game is like, well, you have to eat. You're like, oh, right. I have to eat. You have to buy food. And then you're like, oh, now I don't have any money. And it winds up being kind of this strange cycle of like, I'm not progressing. Right. You're just, you mm. wake up every day, you pick up trash. You feel like you're spinning your wheels a bit. Yeah. You feel yeah. like you're spinning your wheels. And so that's why I, and that's how I felt the entire time I was playing it on stream. I was like, I'm not progressing at all. We're not getting any closer to breaking this curse. And part of me is like, I kind of like just picking up trash. Like mm. I'm, I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I'm at war with myself over, am I cool with just never breaking this curse and picking up trash for the entire time that I'm playing Almost this game, right? Think, is that maybe the point? Yeah, yes. exactly. You made me think of uh, Papers, Please from the description there. <laughs> but it's just so, going to the cycle and only barely keeping your head above water doing mundane things. Right. Try, and, you know, the challenge of the game is just trying to achieve something around all of that. And the way that you're cursed is that at the very beginning of the game, you go into this dungeon, you find like a, a little map and uh, and it's like, oh, there's a dungeon in town. You should go in the dungeon. And you go in and you find the skull and you end up being cursed by it. And I was, I restarted the game when I was off stream. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take my time. And I'm going to restart this game. So uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to get back in that dungeon as soon as I can and see what's in there. Because before I was never able to like get back in the dungeon because I just had no money. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to save up a bunch of money and then I'm going to go back in the dungeon. If you go back in the dungeon, you're just a fucking janitor. You're immediately attacked and of you course. are sent back out of the dungeon. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm, I'm like really intrigued by this game. I can't say that I, I can't say for certain that I dislike it. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the game is trying to tell me. I don't know what this game's about. I don't know what's happening in this game. So, well, that's a ringing endorsement. I'm, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, I mean, you've made me want to play it now. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, and it is. It's a student game, but there's a lot to it. There's a lot of interesting stuff inside of it, and I plan on playing more You're of just it. Trying so to find I guess... it. It's, it's buried under a layer of repetitive, I... mundane gameplay loop. I don't know what it is. What? Can I ask Which you... sounds like again that it is deliberate. Yeah. You said it wasn't very streamable. Is it just because of the gameplay loop? Like what was yes. Because because for me, I got frustrated because with me and like a few thousand other people playing this game together essentially with no progression, it turned into a lot of people in chat being like you need to be doing this or or you need to try this or or why are you doing that? And it became very frustrating for me because I was like, the the lack of progression combined with people trying to tell me how to progress, but those things weren't working, was was frustrating. frustrating and I can't imagine it was very interesting to watch either. 
Yeah, exactly. And I was like, this isn't fun for you guys to watch. This isn't fun for me to play on stream, right? So I'm going to try this off stream. And I did have a lot more fun playing it off stream. Uh, but yeah, I feel like the I feel like the game is literally about like inevitable dread and the cycle of being low on the totem pole in economies. <laughs> I swear maybe to God, it is. Maybe this that game is, is what about. it is. I swear to God, you make all this money, right? And you walk by the wrong fucking guard, and he's like, "Hey, you piece of junk," and he takes all your money. And you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like he just gets so pissed. Like. But I, I think I like it. I don't know. Maybe I hate it. I don't know. <laughs> That's what a lot of Steam reviews are saying that, you know, that it's, it's, about, it's a game about being an insignificant blip, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and uh, being, uh, being stuck in a dead-end job. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if I'd want to play a game about that. Mm. I'm intrigued that someone has gone down that route, certainly. I'd have said the same thing about Papers, Please if you just described it. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're totally this right. It, it does not sound interesting on paper, but outside of that, it, it ends up being compelling. It, it's that whole, mm. oh, video games have to be fun. It's like, no, 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 no. But video games must be compelling in yeah. some way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you manage to compelling. do that with sure. otherwise mundane stuff going on, then more power to you, I think. Did you play much Stardew Valley? Me? She played the hell out of I it. I played a ton of it. Yeah, I played it for like 60 hours in one week and... I haven't really touched it since. I, mean, um, I got, like I got good, married good and then I was like, yeah. I did yeah. it. <laughs> I bagged the boy and now I'm done. <laughs> that was your but, end goal. But I've, I've heard that he's he's like added stuff to that game constantly since yeah. it's come out. And it makes me want to go back and like start over and see what's different. Um, but I've always, I've always found farming simulator games very satisfying. For hmm. some reason, they're just... I just uh, have trouble stopping playing them because they're doing the, the you get into the one more day sort of loop. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, today the parsnips are up. Better make sure. <laughs> yeah. The the like, oh, but I need to do this one thing. And when I come back, I'll forget that I needed to do that thing. So I should probably play for one more day. Mm. Right. That's one of the reasons why I'm so, well, it's kind of similar. I'm really terrified to start Mystic Messenger. Uh, that's a new mobile dating sim that came out that's by this company called Cherits that makes really, really good dating sims. Um, they made this game called Mo uh, Mystic Messenger, and it's all like, it's like a text message simulator game. Right. Um, and they've designed it in a way where it's like, you get text messages from the game. And I'm like, I can't start that. <laughs> like if I, if I, sure, if I had like an entire afternoon and I was down to just like chill and blast through this game and touch all the butts and be done, awesome. But it's designed in the same way that a lot of mobile games are designed where it's like, no, 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 go about your life. We'll remind you that we're here. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that shit. That's what the uh, Mr. Robot game is as well, isn't it? Where it's yeah. pretending to be uh, a real thing. You found someone's phone and you get messaged through an app. I found that idea intriguing. I'm not sure I'd play I a lot of games that too. did that. But it would be nice if you were going about your day and happened to have your phone on you. It would be nice to have that sort of interrupt the mundane nature of your day every once in a while. Right. Pretty sure people have been talking about games like that almost since mobile games started being a thing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's it's a genre that would really only work that way, and it's one of the few genres that that is like that. Because outside of mm -hmm. that, it's like, well, we can do this game on mobile, but it's going to be a shittier version of something you would have had on a PC or console. Yeah. 
You see a few games that use like chat windows as a storytelling mechanic, like uh, Pony Island. Oh dear. Superhot. <laughs> Superhot did that as well. It did, yes. Well, Superhot was a, a nice little, uh, you know, you're inside our world or are you kind of notion. I love was both those games. Yeah. I think both those games are a ton of fun. Yeah. And, I yeah. think I, yeah. the, super, the story in Superhot just kind of annoyed me after a while. I kind of liked the, the slow down shooting mechanic, but and they keep coming back and trying to do this whole, ooh, we're messing with your computer thing. And I was like, just get me to the next commerce scene, please. I don't want to press escape so you can go woogie 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 at me. Well, thankfully, it only took a couple of hours to get through that, and yeah. then it was just like, oh, yeah. go now go play the modes that don't have that, and just actually enjoy what the core of that game is. Which, mm. I, to me, it didn't outstay its welcome, but I can totally see why it would for some people, pulling mm. off shit like that. Yeah, I. but I'm a giant sucker for those games. Like, games that are just, they try to mess with your mind and be a little bit more than just gameplay. I yeah. love those kinds of things. Have either of you played Event Zero yet? We were talking about yes. this last yes. week. Uh, yes. So how did that end up being? Because the point of Event Zero is what? Uh, it's a narrative exploration game where you're building a relationship with the spaceship computer. Yes. And, um, yeah, I'm intrigued. So how did that end up working out? So I, uh, Jesse, did you wind up being able to play the whole thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so, so just as a heads up, I was not able to finish it because at the time that I played it, there was a, not a game, well, I guess it, you could say it's a game-breaking bug. There was a bug that halted progression completely. Um, so I would have to like restart my game. So I have not played the very end of this game, which kind of sucks, but I was really intrigued up to that point. So I'll say that. Jesse, go for it. I am gonna try and find the exact description of what this game is because i seem to recall it's saying or something insinuating that the ai in this game was like supposed to be really next level or so something along those lines no, i read an article along those lines i can't remember who wrote it but there was yeah, an I'm article that claimed it, that this actually had like amazing ai or something yeah i don't know that that's exactly true because uh, there's a lot of times where you can be typing in exactly what you need to say and maybe you just didn't include the right like like a question mark question mark yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's weird because like old school interactive fiction games generally had a really good parsing engine that would interpret that i would have thought they'd have learned how to do that by now the robot would specifically remind you like hey if you're asking me a question be sure to put a question mark at the end because okay. i would ask questions without a question mark and sometimes it would work but sometimes it would not work <laughs> Seems a bit fussy. Mm. Um, but it's, it, I think for what it is, is it's just a really interesting exploration, not of the area, but of like your communication with this, I don't know, being or whatever you would call it. Um, they even give you the opportunity to just sit down and just randomly talk at the very end, right? About whatever with this AI. And the answers you get are really cool. And I love the idea that this, this, as time goes on in this game, what you say to this AI really affects how you, like what happens in this game. Mm -hmm. So like, mm. it takes things you say very literal. It's kind of like that, like bad wish genie kind of deal. Where if you're like, I wish that I live forever. And you end up like as an old man for the rest like all of eternity like an old skeleton man like that kind of thing like Be it's careful what you wish careful for, what you wish for kind of deal but it's in communication with this ai 
and what you're saying and how you're talking to it. I think that's really, really cool. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is actually real kind of because it's clearly not artificial intelligence but what like what kind of algorithm or however they made this game i'm super interested in that because you can tell there are moments of oh this is all pre-planned and this is all sort of the way the game's supposed to be played also don't look behind the curtain pay no attention to yeah Yeah, but then you say certain things or do certain things you're like did it how would it have known that i was gonna do that like there's uh, what I thought was interesting was when the robot would lie and admit to lying later. Like I would ask a question and it would respond a certain way. And then later I would ask the same question and it would respond different and be like, I'm sorry, I lied. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse yourself. <laughs> that, just, that just sounds very intriguing to mm. me. That's uh, the best way to the game, the game looks very nice too. It's got a sort of old school sci-fi look to it, like, you know, big Mm -hmm. text terminals with big green text and things like that. And it's short. How long did it wind up taking you, Jesse? It's maybe five hours, something Mm -hmm. like that. It's not that long. Don't you what you've reminded me of from your description is uh, the Talos Principle. Oh, yes. Yeah, all the stuff in between the the button pressing puzzles. We have to talk to the uh, AI with the DOS prompt thing. What's Never the, uh, to there's another that game that, that came out where you're like putting back together a robot woman. What is that called? Is that similar to it? Oh, Saturday uh, night, I think. Uh, oh my god, I played. Oh shit! What is it? Cradle. Cradle. Yes. Is that Dodger? Is that a similar? I, it seemed very similar, but I have not played that yet. Um, like putting her back together, and I felt like there was going to be like a oh, you don't actually want to be putting this girl back together because she's probably super messed up. No, it's it's not like that at all. That Cradle never had a sense of like dread or unease ever. It was literally just like as you as you like do kind of little mini games and was mini quests. Robot to Simulator is that put this lady back together. No, but she just like tells you what happened in this world because you don't mm. remember, and she doesn't know anything about herself either so she's like trying to get like her memories back through computers and through like extra pieces and stuff like that huh. all right i wish i wish it was a little more weird i guess weird <laughs> games are my jam i mean but yeah you have been playing a lot of alternate reality sort of stuff lately and man i dig it i i think that stuff's so much fun i like the idea of uncovering a story that isn't the main story of the game like uh the reason why i loved uh, pony island was that in the end even after you beat it once and beat it twice not until you legitimately hacked the game files did you discover the real ending and i was like it's unnecessary it's probably too much it's kind of stupid but damn do i love it like i thought that- <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, oh, no. So, yeah, I, I still to this day have a thumb drive around here somewhere that has has Satan trapped on it. You ain't getting out of there, Satan. You ain't getting out. I think it's... I, I didn't actually know that. I just played through it once. And then it said, yeah. don't play it again. So I thought, all right. <laughs> yes, I won't. Yeah, the end of the game is like, delete me. You have to delete yeah. the game. Please delete the game. And then if you find the secrets, you're basically like, I can never delete this game. Like, that's the... It's it's kind of cool. It's it's a very silly, weird game that I love those ideas of just like mm. let's get wild with gameplay and do something completely different. Mm-hmm. I like that. I felt the same way about the stuff they did with Undertale towards yes. the end where it starts saying Absolutely. Uh, do you really want to play this again? We're all happy now. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, I didn't... when it like force closes itself and things yeah. like that too, that freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I did what it said. It's like, yeah, we're all happy now. I'm like, okay, I, I, I refuse. It's like, oh, you've got to go do the other one. I'm like, no, no, this is, I can't do yeah. that. I just all happy now. I started the other run. I think I got as far as the papyrus fight, and I thought, no, can't do it. No, no, I can't do oh it. Just. Any, anybody, anybody who never experienced the Sands fight. <laughs> I enjoyed watching you get tortured by that for eight straight hours. Eight like, hours. I tried to beat him for eight hours of my life. <laughs> wow. But to, the, the really cool thing about Undertale, not obviously spoiling too much of Undertale, is that all of that is justified within the game story and lore. Mm. This is not some weird meta layer. It's actually how it is. And there are mm. entities within that world that have that power, and you're sort of one of them. And as a result, yeah. I couldn't... This whole restart the game and do a different run thing, I couldn't do it. Because it's like, no, the, the game... That, if, I, you know, if I'm immersed in the game and following what that story is, then by doing that, I am a terrible person, even by the fact that I just started it. So it's like, I, this is the true ending. This, to me, is where the game ends. There is no other run, in my mm. eyes, because that's what the game told me. So I'd, that's yeah, how it totally. is. Yeah, totally. Who would start that over and then murder no, everybody? No, what kind, of, what kind of horrible person would do that? You'd have to be some kind of monster. You would have to be some kind of monster Indeed. to do that. I I really like challenging games, so I'm almost tempted to try it just to try the Sans fight that oh, I've heard so much about. <laughs> I walk, but okay, I so I, I was... don't want to do it to the nice people. Maybe if you, if you did it on a different computer, technically, ah, you see, you, but you get another Steam account, you know, and you set it up oh. there, then technically you haven't killed all the nice people. They're still there in their happy little world. This is an alternate reality. Yes, but they'll still be dead in that reality. That's true. Hmm. And in their reality, that's the only reality there is. That is true. Well, now we are getting existential. Indeed. <laughs> oh, shit. It's actually um, just a silly game about skeletons and dogs. It's yes. It's, what it's I was going to say, though, is that I, if, if you spend, like, eight-plus hours on a f one boss fight, and you're just doing it over and over and over again, and when you finally beat it, you can sit there and go, wow, what a well-designed fight. I think that's yeah. saying something, and that's how yeah. I felt about the sand. Hate, hate the last eight hours that you just. Yeah, spent I don't. Yeah. I don't. I still love the song that plays in that fight. I heard I mean, it for eight phenomenal. hours straight, yes. and I still love it. I thought that the design of that fight was incredible. Well, I'm glad I never. The one, isn't again, the really but... cool thing about the song in that fight is that it's actually, it's not for you. It's mm -hmm. for him because he's yeah. the hero fighting the, the hero. ultimate immortal boss. And that, that was such a wonderful little subversion to me. Mm -hmm. uh, that, I mean, there's, there's a lot about that game that I love to bits, which is why it was my favorite game that year. But uh, mm, Mine yeah. too. Yeah, everyone should should give it a try. D d please don't be put off by the excessive fan <laughs> art and the fandom it, uh, that's It's cooled down that. quite a bit at this yeah. point. And also, the but there is no down wrong or right way to play it. And if yes. anyone tells you otherwise, they are a stupid, stupid fan liar and should I go just away. Want to point out my Play favorite uh, bit of that is the fact that uh, our office mate, the completionist, when he did his completed video for that, they had to make three, four different versions of that video and make it all one video just to appease literally every person. They even start the video with like, uh, you know, we're please don't send us your angry letters. Like, that's how rabid fans are. Well, we've, we've talked about how ridiculous it is that um, 
people who watch Let's Plays of video games then get mad that the Let's Player didn't make because the same choice they did. Because you didn't play it right. Mm. Yeah, you had to do this. I mean, there was people who were legitimately getting furious with Until Dawn when someone let a particular character die. And mm. they, they weren't joking. That's the sad thing. They weren't joking about that. They were deadly serious. And that drives me up the wall. It's like, it, yeah. what? but you, you're watching that... There was one instance of that that I remember very clearly from a video I did a few years ago. I did a video on Portal 2, and I deliberately would not pick up Wheatley. And people would not only, they thumbs the video down and got genuinely furious at me for not picking up Wheatley. And, you know, like, what are you, why aren't you playing it right? I'm like, you realize, as we've been standing here, there's a bunch of dialogue that none of you have ever heard specifically for this occurrence, mm. which is why I didn't pick up Wheatley. And you've now experienced all of this stuff that you never even knew was there because I, quote, played it wrong. Well, a great example of that right now is the Let's Play Dodger and I just did of Life is Strange. Oh, God, yeah, about people halfway, get rabid about that damn thing. About halfway through that series, people were, like, turning against me because at one point you have to either side with Chloe, the character everyone loves, or the dad, the character everyone hates. And I was like, I'm siding with the dad. And this one, not because I like the dad or give a shit. I was just like, I'm thinking five steps ahead of what this game's going to give us. I'm going to side with the dad and I'm going to win him over. And this guy is going to come in and save the effing day. And I like plan this all. And people were like, he hit her. You're a horrible fucking person. And I hate you. No, I'm real. Were insane. I was just like, wait, wait till the end. This is all going to pay off, guys. Please. And they're just like, I will never watch another one of your videos. Like, <laughs> You, it was I, crazy. That that is a point that I will never, I will never uh, be able to empathize with that point of view because in my eyes it is psychotic. It's yeah. funny the things people make attachments to. I mean, that that's all like story examples. I did a drown out video of Binding of Isaac a while back, just for fun, like years after it came out, and we got a whole bunch of hate messages because we were playing suboptimally. Oh, the suboptimal yes. plays. That was. Yeah. Uh, that happened to me a lot in Hearthstone, where I deliberately make a terrible deck, and then people would be mad that my deck wasn't as good as it could have been. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. not important. It's I'm still having fun, but it's like, well, you how could you be having fun if you didn't do everything the complete right way? Like, well, I mean, there are many ways to do that. Yeah, yeah, there are ways to like build characters and turn RPGs where the combat becomes really trivial and not fun anymore. Yes. And people say, well, you've got to do it that way because that's the right way to do it. That's the optimal way to do it. That's numerically, objectively right. Well, and that's why a lot of people gave up on, like, Hearthstone and shit like that. Like, making those videos are just... Mm. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Cool, people man. get very, very upset with you playing Hearthstone wrong. Well, it's is... like, it's a children's card game. I'm sorry, you might... That game is deliberately <laughs> designed to be stupid and random to the point where there are million dollar tournaments where games are literally decided by what's basically a dice roll uh, or a coin flip mm. and i'm just like this game was obviously built from the start to be fun silly random ha 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 look at this it was designed as a game to spawn clips on youtube of mm. crazy shit happening and then people started to think that it was a esport and that millions of dollars should be given out to people that play it i uh, think this goes back makes, to what it's a head scratcher what Dodger was saying, like, I don't know, 20 minutes ago about how she likes challenging stuff. And Yancy was saying the same thing, too. I think all of us enjoy a game that's challenging. A game that, that actually you're just like, 
oh my god i've been at this for like three hours and i can't beat this yeah but on youtube or on twitch that is horrible content uh, yeah totally so yeah. we steer clear yeah. of it and so i'll play a game on normal mode rather than be like i'm here for the story i'm because I don't want to like lose my mind doing it on a hardcore mode, which normally it's like if I'm just playing a game, I want to experience like the game. Like let's get yeah. super, like crazy with this, and I won't do that. But and pace is so important when it's content that people are gonna watch. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it's totally different from like I love challenging stuff and a good boss fight that you're just like super stressed out, but when you beat it, you're like, yes, that was so worth it. Also makes horrible watching because it's repetition over and over again you're losing and your chat is saying you suck and you just can't figure out how to do it and they're giving you hints and you're just like i just i'm doing everything you're telling me to do why can't i beat this and then there's sometimes where they're better at a certain thing than you are and so you just it's horrible content and it's something that everyone on the like internet in our like genre of work deals with and so it sucks but that's, well, that's you because know, people for years ago forgot how to edit out shit it's mm. like, I'm going to post a six-hour block. And it's like, well, you made mistakes here. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, if I was doing this properly, I would have probably just edited those mistakes out. But nobody... I mean, there's almost a hostility to editing that stuff any uh, these days. It's like, well, you're yeah. cheating. You know, you're not being honest with us. It's like, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, you just yell at me because I made a mistake. Yeah. I mean, different audiences want different things. Some people, some people just want an authentic view that they can just have in the background and fall asleep to. True enough. That's just noise. Yep. And you are creating just... that and not something that people actually focus on, which is also yeah. fine. I mean, that's probably pretty much this podcast in a nutshell. Yeah, and some people want to see the game demonstrated. Mm -hmm. yep. Meaning, I mean, uh, you can make a boring thing interesting if you've got the right, you know, attitude to the commentary over it. That's yeah, absolutely that's true, which is why more people, as Dodger was getting her ass kicked, more and more people started watching her as time went on. They wanted to be there when victory happened. Yeah. And it did happen, by the way. I mean, <laughs> welcome to 75% of fiction. I was victorious eventually. A character overcoming adversity is 75% yeah. of fiction. I mean, it's the same principle. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's satisfying to watch that. That's why challenge is good. Indeed, that it is. Which is why I don't appreciate games that are just like, well, we don't actually have any challenge to overcome at all. There's no express or implied failure state. I was like, well, I mean, in that case, I might just watch it then. You know, that's that doesn't seem like the strength of the video of video games as a medium, if you don't have any of that. I say as they, uh, I've just announced um, Dear Esther Landmark Edition. As to what it's landmark it is, out. I have what? to wonder. What? Yeah, what more what? can you add to that? And apparently, they haven't added. The amazing thing is they haven't Esther added world, anything. Apparently, they. That's the great thing that I don't know. I think they've just possibly added. I mean, if they added a developers commentary, that's great. But again, I would rather just watch that than, than play it. And there are certain games like that that are just like, well, the only reason that I'm playing it is because you're forcing me to to play it. This is just work, and I'd rather yeah. watch this because. There's no, there's no choice that I can make in this game, which is going to change anything that happens. There's no was point the, in there the, being gameplay. Was it the uh, dear Esther people who made uh, everybody goes to the rapture? Indeed. Yep. Yeah. What I remember about that game is that's probably one of the few examples I can think of as a game where the player is not the protagonist of the story. Mm -hmm. it, huh. Yeah. It's just a, I guess, it's a sort of exploration game where you just have to find all the conversations to piece together the stuff that happened. Yes. Uh, but the weird thing is they didn't really tell you what happened. 
you just experience all the relationships of these people with accents from all around the United Kingdom, uh, getting each other pregnant and smacking each other about. Yeah. Mm. And then and suddenly, most then of, most of them disappear be... one day for no particular reason. I feel like that could all you could get the same experience by simply watching it. And I think if that's the case, then you have to wonder if a video game was the correct medium to choose for what you just mm. did. And I say that as Dear Esther has just been adapted into a stage play, which I think proves my point quite nicely. That would be a very, very big stage and a very, very boring play. And yet it is happening. I think it would be that a is... better play than a game. I yep. actually would go watch that compared to play the game. I, I would. I absolutely would because it wouldn't involve any work and my, my, you know, my W finger wouldn't be sore by the end of one and a half hours. I'll, I'll take that over, over most things. Mm. There you go. Uh, let's go to a break. And when we come back, since there's not really any news, I guess we'll wrap up on what else we've been playing and then we'll look at what wonderful things are appearing on Steam over the next week. <laughs> No doubt of the quality of badass babes or worse. Who knows? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Good God. You watch the Croftal Podcast. We'll be right back. Do not go anywhere. See you in a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast for the final 35, 40 or so minutes of the show. There's really no good news this week, or any news worth discussing. So we're just going to finish off the games that we've been playing. I played a bunch of board games. I didn't get, don't get much of a chance to do that, honestly. Because you need, like, people and friends for it, so it does uh, limit the amount of time you can do it. But to get a chance to play a few, and Jesse, you were there for one of them a few weeks ago, if you recall, recall correctly. We went and visited uh, Mox's Boarding House in we Seattle, did. which is a wonderful board game cafe and restaurant. Rented out a space there, and we played board games for eight hours. And a game that we played, which ended up being a really incredible experience, which I haven't had the chance to talk about on the show yet, was by the name of Captain Sonar. We tried to play that uh, at Sam's birthday. I tried to find it. And I was like, do you have Captain Sonar in the place where I was like, I don't know what that is. They should, because it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's fairly... Yeah, it's fairly brand new out. I assume that if they didn't have it in stock, then they definitely suck. It came out about a month or so ago, possibly two months. It was a really interesting experience, like, in terms of gaming that I've never had through anything else. It is a... Imagine a very advanced version of Battleship, where you have four players on... And the they make up a team. This is me imagining it. Indeed. I'm, I'm imagining it like Professor X. They're, they're the crew. And then the other side of this big screen, on the other side of the table, there's another team of four people that make up the opposing crew of a submarine. You have a captain, a first officer, an engineering fellow, and a radio operator. And you have to work together to sink the other submarine. Of course, you have no fucking idea where it is, because you're both underwater. Now, the thing about this game is it's a board game played in real time. It's played as fast as your team can move and get everything done in the right way. So there's no turns... You do everything is hectically going on all at once. The roles of the team dictate what you actually do. The captain orders the team around, says, hey, basically orders which direction the submarine goes in, north, south, east, or west. They have to call that out verbally so the other team's radio operator can hear it. The radio operator's job is to listen to the opposing captain and using what's basically a sheet of acetate, you know, a transparent thing over a map and a marker pen try and figure out where the fuck the enemy submarine is relative to you. And they do so by listening to that and also through clues that you can get by using a couple of different abilities like sonar 
and a drone. For instance, if, if I launch a drone, I can say to the other team, Are you in Sector 6? And they have to answer honestly. So that can help narrow things down. The sonar allows you to ask them where they are. They have to give you two pieces of information. Either which row they're in, which column they're in, or which sector they're in. One of those pieces of information has to be true, but the other one also has to be false. So that's a little bit of info that you get there. As you're moving around, your first officer is charging the systems of the submarine, such as torpedoes and mines and drones. Jesse was our first officer, he did a phenomenal job of charging systems. And the engineer is trying not to have the submarine explode. Every time the submarine moves, and this is a pretty shitty submarine, I might add, that that this can actually happen. But every time the submarine moves, a part of the submarine breaks. And it depends on which direction the submarine goes as to what part breaks. The engineer has to cross a bit off. And if every if, if every part of the that particular part of the submarine breaks, you can't use that system. So what the engineer is trying to do is minimize the damage that's done and also tell the captain, dude, we really cannot go west. If we go west right now, this is going to explode, and so on and so forth. And if things get too bad, your submarine has to surface in order to repair, which makes you vulnerable because you have to tell everyone where you are. And hmm. you've, got to, you've got to play this ridiculous little mini-game where you all draw around a piece of the submarine on a sheet of, uh, on a sheet of acetate with marker, and if you go outside the lines, you have to start again. You so it's a massively it enemy team. hectic, like, crazy... Yeah. It's... It's, an am- it's just an amazing experience because it was an unbelievably tense and hectic co-op game where both teams are basically blundering in the dark trying to find the other one. And when they realize, or at least when they think they realize, you know, getting a torpedo ready, say the other guy has to surface to repair his submarine, otherwise it'll explode. I was like, right, get him. We need to get there as fast as possible. We need to ready this. You know, first officer, is this ready? Engineer, can I use this? No, it's fucked. Okay, we need to fix that. How do we fix this? Do this, do that. And the radio operator listening to the uh, captain on the other side to try and figure out where they are. It's like, captain, I think I know where they are because I've looked at the map and they clearly cannot have gone through this island and kind of like Snake, you can't go through your own route. And stuff like yeah, this, that. So, this game sounds like a clusterfuck. It's a complete. I'm listening clusterfuck. to you describe it. It's it sounds like clusterfuck. it would not be as fun. <laughs> no, that's why it's fun. That's yeah. why it's fun because it is an utter clusterfuck. It's everybody is panicking all the time, and yeah, the thing, when you get fun. it right, it's so satisfying. It sounds like Space Team, but with rules. Exactly. exactly. Uh, Space Team is a great comparison. Uh, for those who don't know, Space Team is a cooperative game, and you actually have a CD where the CD times the game out in real time, and shit happens, and you play a... Uh... Oh, sorry, Space Team. You said yeah. Space Team, right? Yeah, Space Team and Space Alert. I'm getting them confused. Space Team is a really cool mobile game where shit breaks all the time, and you basically have to yell to the people, uh... Manipulate the the gargle wanger or yeah. redirect to, power to the thingy. Every player's got a sheet of buttons, and every player's getting instructions coming on the top of their uh, device. But uh, the instructions do not necessarily apply to them. Yes, so they, they apply to, to somebody else. Yeah, yeah they so, have to shout them out. Yeah, there's also a board game called Space Alerts, which is a co-op game where they literally, as I said, give you a CD, which re- gives you a kind of real-time experience. Where it's like there's an alien coming in from here, and you've kind of got to plan ahead and not have the ship explode. Sort of like that, but you're playing against each other. It just, it was such a cool experience. Once we got the hang of it, and it took a little bit of getting the hang of it, it was hectic as hell. And, and, And you say it sounds like a giant clusterfuck, but in reality, on a four person, 
six-person team. One person's not even talking. They're just sort of listening. Yeah, uh, that's The captain job. is only shouting out orders every so often. The, the first mate is trying to keep track of what they can use and what they can't use while talking to the uh, engineer, who's really the one who's like, no, God, please, no, do not go that way. Don't do... And then it all feeds back down to the captain. And so there's also a lot of whispering because people are trying to, like, I don't want to talk too loud or the people on the other team can hear me. Yeah, because they, so, might, they might get an idea of what's happening. It's like you know, the engineer is like, oh, f you know, we cannot go west, captain, or whatever. And But, of course, the radio operator on the team has probably heard that they've gone west a couple of times already. So, like, okay. So, I know they've gone a certain number of squares, and I know they can't. And, you know, it's like well, the engineer's like, we're going to go north, captain. It's like, I can't because that would kind of, like, snake. You know, I'd go, I'd hit my own tail, basically. Mm. All that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's, uh, yeah. It's that, fun. Like, that, it, it's, it's really it awesome. Crazy, but it is... It might be one of, if not one of my favorite games the last few years. It is yes, phenomenally fun. It 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 like the hour or so that we played went by like that. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. It was it was a blast. I want to play that again and again and again. It's it was so cool, and it was a really great example of uh, you know the fact that board games have advanced so much in the past ten years. To be yeah, there seems to be a really competitive market all of a sudden. There's I been think, a massive yeah. resurgence over the last few years. I think Kickstarter was a big part of that. I think so. Yeah, oh, yeah, it allowed for a bunch of really high quality games to be developed by people who otherwise wouldn't have had the funds to to put in for that. Hmm. Um, the there was a recent announcement that League of Legends now has a board game <laughs> yep. called Mechs versus Minions. Actually, looks incredible. Like the quality of the miniatures and everything that's in the box looks great. It's got a, a really awesome idea. It's a co op kind of programming game. Um, which, you know, looks like it could be really, really fun. And then, of course, a bunch of the people that uh, like League of Legends are like, uh, board games in 2016? Uh, or $70? That's good. Uh. It's like, no, actually, that $70 is quite cheap for a premium board game compared to some of the other ones. And also, you know, we're actually at the peak of board game popularity right now. They're more popular than they ever have been. I think a lot of it comes down to, well, one, there's a lot of very, very good ones coming out, and board game design has got you know, board game design has eclipsed Monopoly a very, very long time ago. Yes. You know, Monopoly is a shit game. It was designed to be a shit game. Mechanically, it is a terrible game. Thematically, it's a terrible game. You know, there's a lot of stuff you can get now, which is a hell of a lot better. But also, I think we're getting older, and we still want to play games. We still want to either be competitive or cooperative. We just don't want to do it with, like, angry, screaming 10-year-olds on the internet that are insulting our mother would quite like to do it with a group of people that we trust and you know that we know and that we can have a, a fun time with and board but games a, are ideal for that it's a subtly different social engagement board games because even if you're playing like a local multiplayer you're side by side watching a screen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas in a board game you're all sitting around in a circle facing each other exactly you're focused on the other people and often a lot of games exploit that you know social deduction games these days like secret hitler resistance Werewolf and things like I that. I have played Resistance, yeah. Uh, you'll have to try Secret Hitler, because in my opinion, Secret Hitler is like... I, I don't know if I could say objectively better, but I think it is a great advancement on that to the point where Resistance, I think, is kind of obsolete as a result of that game existing. It's been a while since I've played board games. I used to play regularly with a friend of mine, but he... He tended to be really competitive, you know? Yeah, there's, there's always an issue. <laughs> you know, that there are some games that are perfect for that, like one versus one card games and things like that, but... 
a lot of games you've got to be able to to be a little bit loose with the rules be a bit mm. patient with someone who's not playing optimally i mean th- there's another issue you know if you find a group where someone insists like no you've got it. that was totally wrong uh jesse you remember this at dragon con last year remember when we were sitting down in the board game room we were playing dominion together and this one guy came past us and started telling us what to do and i we're do like, remember that who are you <laughs> and I, I did a thing that was apparently suboptimal. It's like, oh, you don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's not the optimal mm-hmm. way to do it. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then just did it anyway. Just like, yeah. you're not part of the group, and yet you felt the need to backseat game my board game. You know, with, okay, we get it. There's an optimal way to play Dominion. There are optimal strategies, but I don't care. Like, the, I almost yeah, like board- playing board games with a group of people that are all bad at board games, because then that doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, the bloke I played with was really interested in the rules of the mm. games and like the mathematics involved. So we used to play a bit of Arkham Horror together. Oh, oh well, God. there's a game where the yeah. rules... That, yeah. that has a, a library of rules. That's yeah, a very complicated game. Heavy, heavy but, game. But I was sort of in it for the story stuff because I like yeah. and things. Absolutely. And um, when I played with him, I had to make it a house rule that we'd have to read out the flavor text on the cards. Because he'd yeah. just pick up a card and go, uh, roll two dice, and if you get six, you lose two sanity. Yes. And I was uh, like, okay, why? Yeah, but yeah, exactly why. You know, it's, uh, there was a game that we tried to play at this thing, but we had to abort because uh, unfortunately we didn't we didn't quite get the rules, and people started to get frustrated with it. Uh, it was um, Dead of Winter. Hmm. That has some serious theme to it. Um, it has what are called crossroads cards that happen every turn, and they describe an event, and you are encouraged. You have to read it out to the person next to you who it affects. And uh, you could easily skip that, but it would completely skip the context of what is basically you're in a a colony in the dead of winter trying to fend off zombies. But it's about the human drama and the stories that happen within that colony, and those cards are what give you that context. There was one card that was the best card. Oh, was it Fat Fat Eric? Fat Fat, Eric, right? About this guy and his friend, and if you invited them into the colony, his fat friend would eat all the food. Yeah, his name was Fat Eric. His friend, like, they would eat the fat guy. And it was so yeah. funny. We were just dying. And, of course, we didn't invite him. And then we Yeah, because up- we all had to vote on on what the colony would do. And I was just like, they went, fuck Fat Eric. You know, we don't want Fat Eric in our colony. And we're, so people we arguing in favor of Fat Eric. It's like, we can't leave him out in the cold. Like, no, fuck him. Let him so die. They ate him. They ate him and made Fat Eric sandwiches. Yep, they did. Freaking hilarious. And that was part of the theme. And the thing is, if you didn't mention that, that it's like, okay, gain two food. <laughs> It's like, no, we gained two food because we ate Fat Eric. And that's amazing. That's That context was awesome. And I mean, theme can be such a strong thing. We Another board game we played, because my brother and his girlfriend had been over for the last week, so we played some board games, was called Star Trek Panic. And it's a game where you're playing the old Enterprise, and you're being assaulted from all sides by Romulans and Tholians and Klingons while trying to attain these missions, and everything is exploding around you. Like, you're, you're desperately trying to keep the Enterprise from exploding. And it's based on a game called Castle Panic, which is a lot less fun because you're not role-playing Captain Kirk and Scotty and everything, and you're being attacked by Klingons off the starboard bow, the starboard bow, the starboard bow. It's nowhere near as fun if you don't engage and engross yourself and immerse yourself in that theme. Hmm. You could take the same game, same mechanics, change the theme, and the game is better. And that actually happens a lot in board games. The uh, the concept of re-theming is a big deal. Yeah, it's like what we were saying earlier about Mother Russia Bleeds being more cathartic because it's bloody. Yeah. They look at something like the Nintendo port of Mortal Kombat. Where they, <laughs> yeah. Where they coloured all the blood white. Yes, yeah, so they claimed sweat. sweat. Yes. yes. 
Yeah. That's the that's the pure white substance that comes out of human bodies. <laughs> yes, quite. Yes, there is no other. Hmm. That that game was fun cuz that that's a good example of again you have you should play optimally to win, but we had fun in losing. Because mm. everything went to shit. And that in itself was enjoyable. It's like, oh god, we need phaser cards to hit this thing. Oh fuck, because they draw two more turns out of the uh, every at the end of every turn they draw two more threats out of the threat bag, and we're like, oh god, please don't be something evil. It's like it's a Romulan bird, it's a Romulan warbird. I'm like, oh, oh fuck no, and all this other stuff. And losing is fun in that game, but if someone backseated that, they could they could play the game for you. Um, it's what's called the pandemic problem. A very popular game called Pandemic which is about beating a global pandemic. It's a cooperative board game. Very popular, very well designed. The problem is, what tends to happen in that game is the best player sort of plays it for everybody else. Hmm. Because they know what the optimal solution is, so they just tell people what to do, so they might as well not be in the game at all. And what's, what is fun is actually cooperating in a game like that. But if you don't know what to do, then you just end up deferring to the, the leader of the group. And at which point, why are you even there? You're just moving blocks around, which is not quite there's as cool. A, there's a game called Star Trek Five Year Mission that I really, really like, too. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, it, you work together as the team, and you each have your own abilities. Each person plays a character from the... You can either be original Enterprise or next generation, and each one has a different uh, ability. Well, we know the smart, smart, we know the smart choice. Is always going to be Picard, of course. Well, I was going to say Deep Space Nine, but okay. <laughs> Oh yes, well, playing playing as Deep Space Nine would probably be uh, quite overpowered, I would imagine. One of you is kind of like a fine. god. D um, <laughs> DS9 still the best series. I agree totally. Yep. And some people disagree with me. I'm like, I don't know. It's the only one that had any real character development. Yeah, it's, uh, everyone brings up Next Generation, but that only got good after Gene Roddenberry died. Yeah, it, this yeah. Is, is not wrong. <laughs> Roddenberry you know? slammed. It was a lot of Monster of the Week. You know, Star Trek yeah. was a lot of that, instead of actual like character development plot that went over multiple episodes, which was like, oh, no, Voyager, Voyager. Yes, the only character no. development in Voyager don't, was, don't was Seven of Nine's plot. You know? Don't do that. Yes, don't. open quotes plot. Indeed. <laughs> It's like, uh, which outfit will she wear this week? Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued. With a replicator short on material. You know, is that how it worked out? But Not a fan of Voyager. Mm. Uh, the last board game we played, which we found very interesting and quite unique, went by the name of Cult Express. Uh, this is a game that has a papercraft train that you have to build that has a roof and the inside of the carriages. This is a, a so-called programming game as well. Where the whole point is that you're all train robbers. You're going to steal shit. And you've got to get out of there with the best score. But of course, on the train, there's a uh, there's a marshal who runs around. You can shoot at each other. You can take different actions. But you, all, you program your turns beforehand, and then they execute as if you're telling a story. So mm. the, it's based on like five rounds. You've got a hand of cards of stuff you can do. So it'll be like, okay, in this round, you use four actions. So you go around the table. It's like... All right, well, I'm going to shoot. And then the next guy's like, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to climb up on the roof or I'm going to move the marshal or I'm going to punch and like anything." And then it all plays out in order to the point where you can fuck with somebody's plan, but you've got to keep track of what everybody else was doing, and there's also an element of bluffing to it. Because if you're on the roof and you say move, you can actually move pretty much anywhere on the train. So I'm like, "Okay, where did you go? I think you're going for that uh that bag of loot down there, but I'm not sure." You know, can I stop you from doing that and all that kind of thing? So it's all about 
programming your character to do the best things and then messing with everyone else's plans. And the shit that gets thrown in the works, like you might go through a tunnel, in which case everyone puts their card face down this turn, so you don't know what happened and all that kind of shit. And then once everything's programmed, you play it out in order. And we had, we were shit at it. We were utter, utterly awful at it. But we had a lot of fun just bumbling around, trying to execute a cool strategy and then realizing that we did it completely wrong and ending up on the roof. It's like, I will punch at thin air because there's nothing here because we completely mucked it up. But that was a really interesting experience. That was really cool. Apparently the League of Legends game actually plays quite similar to that in the way that you've got to program out your actions and stuff. So yeah, it was all a bunch of really fun, awesome board game experiences. I enjoyed the hell out of them. Cool. I still play Scrabble. Still a good game, but people are too good at it. That's the problem. Everyone well, I play it, it's I, just way I too found. good at it. I try to start, you know, a sequence of words with friends games going with people, and eventually they just stop playing against me. Because I'm that good. Yeah, I'm right. No, very bear that in mind. Yeah, it's just like, to me, that just... Because it's... I mean, it is a game that has a world championship, for God's sake. I think... Well, yes. If a game has a world championship, you can imagine the skill ceiling can get so ludicrously high that the experience you've had playing changes fundamentally when you run into someone that doesn't suck at it. That's sort of why I don't play most Blizzard games. Yeah. I mean, it's why I think a lot of people don't play RTS anymore, either. Like, people Mm. fondly remember Command & Conquer. It's like, oh, yeah, well, back then, we just built a base and... And we go and we build a big army and kill stuff. Now it's all about rushing and build orders and 300 actions per minute. And it's like, well, actually, in reality, it was always that. It's just back then we were all shit at it. And now some people aren't shit at it. So they've suddenly realized, oh, actually, that's the way those games were always meant to be played in the first place. Life was better when we were all shit. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I think that that is that is real. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much about all I've played this week. A couple of other things, but I don't really want to cover them right now. So we might as well move on to the wonderful, wonderful releases that are coming on Steam over the next week. What a cornucopia of wonderful things that are coming our way to anticipate and look forward to. I can't wait. It released. Oh, with- dear. All right. Uh- what do we got? Uh, today, September 20th, we have Indeed. Ballistic Tanks. I mean, something called Ballistic Tanks sounds like... Yeah, it's it a bit redundant, be... isn't it? Yeah. it's the According to this, it's the best tank game you've played since the 80s. I fundamentally disagree, but it I certainly don't... looks like it came out in the don't 80s. don't even know I'll what that, that The best tank game you've played since the 80s? Well, I mean, uh, what, what tank uh, games have... have you played in the last 36 years? Uh, Scorch Tanks. That's the only one that comes to mind, really. Mm. World of Tanks. Oh, yeah. That was a game. Battlezone. I'm pretty sure Battlezone was way better than this thing. But yeah, it's a sort of... It's a top-down kind of multiplayer, simple tank game with power-ups and stuff. I mean, it doesn't look awful, but I anticipate that it's probably not the best tank game I've played since the 80s. Oh, well. Next is uh, Turbo Pug 3D. The 3D Uh, version of the popular side-scrolling game Turbo Pug. Well, thank God for that. Tells oh, you everything and, you need to know, really, doesn't it? And it just, actually looks fantastic. Just to make oh. matters even better, it's got a voxel style of aesthetic because no. we needed one more of those. We did! It's procedurally generated. Oh, of course oh. it is. Yes! He's wearing a sombrero at one point. Lovely. He's so cute. Is this not a mobile game that got lost? 
Uh, A lot of these games probably are, let's be honest. Next. Um, Next is the Mr. President prologue episode. What the fuck? Uh, The... The icon for this looks awful. It's a oh really my bad yeah. MS Paint head being shot. This country needs a hero. This country needs a Mr. in lowercase, President. Does it? All one word, too. Mr. What? President is all one word. Well, you know a game's going to be great when the feature set includes the list of controls. <laughs> Bloody hell. No. Kick asses with a golden 50 caliber pistol. Please, no. Next. <laughs> the next game is NBA 2K17. Oh, I think we know what that is. That's, that's yeah. the basketball, isn't it? Uh, and then we have Zenith, which actually looks pretty good. It does. It's an action RPG story game. Um, it mm. says, quote, you won't need to piece the story together by yourself like it's a Swedish chair, we promise. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, a lot of these adventure games seem sweet. to talk about linear plot like they're the first people to think of it <laughs> yeah no. oh find tons of parody and pop culture references oh thank god we haven't had enough games oh, to do that wow. great that doesn't Sold. date the game horribly yeah the, All right. uh, the next one is called I know a tale do you what is that tale exactly that is a horrifying image what the that- fuck this game is 79 cents. Do not open the collector's safe, it said. It's a hidden object game from mobile, uh, by the looks of it, with a very creepy-looking girl who's just yeah. very angry by the looks of it. Dude, all right. Sure, next. Uh, next is Seraph, which is a acrobatic shooter. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that, looks pretty good, actually. Yeah, that looked all right. It's on the popular new releases list, anyway. Yeah, mm. take the role of an angel who's mastered the art of gun fu. I'm not sure an angel would need that, but... This actually does not look too bad. I'm looking at the the little gif they have showing yeah. the pl- gameplay, and that actually looks like a pretty solid side scroller. Yeah. Looks, All right. Um, hmm. Okay. Got a I might nice try taste that one. to it. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Sure. Uh, why not? Next. Next one is called Dimensional Intersection. Dimensional Intersection, uh, an interactive musical visualizer for virtual reality. So it's essentially an acid trip simulator by the looks of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Not a game. Next. Next is called Wheels of Aurelia, a narrative road trip game set in the Italian set in the Italian seventies. People keep remaking Passenger. They keep remaking it. (laughs) That's an. We came up with the best game. I didn't want to remember that in joke, but now you've brought it back up to my mind. I don't want to anymore. What is this game game. though exactly? Uh, It says narrative. It's an interactive fiction game in the shape of an isometric racer. With a yeah, focus, focus on, on replayability. replayability, yeah. It kind of looks like what they were doing with Oxenfree, kind of, the about the conversations affecting the course of the game. I don't know that this is that, though. It reminds me more of a less weird and silly version of that game Glitch Hikers that mm-hmm. was you just driving in a sort of polygon world and picking people up and talking mm-hmm. to them. I don't know if there's any actual gameplay in it, I mean, whenever they say, it's weird that people call things interactive fiction because that used to have a definition that was text-based adventures, but that's no longer true, apparently. Right. Well, there seems to be text dialogue choosing. Yeah, there's there's dialogue choices in it. So it just seems to be like, I mean, I like the idea that each playthrough is 15 minutes and you can have like 16 different endings. That might actually make it tolerable. Those games have a tendency to drag on a little bit. I'll make another try. 9.99 for Mm. 15-minute gameplay. Well, I mean, you get to play it like 16 times, apparently. Well, 16 times 15. Uh, I'm not very good at maths. (laughs) Four hours, right? Yeah, Uh, four hours, ten bucks. Yeah. 
We'll see. Next. Assuming that you want to do all 16. What's next? Next game is called Battle Right. I've been playing this for the last couple of hours. I fucking love it. You'd hate it. Yahtzee, it's full-on multiplayer PvP arena, competitive, high-skill ceiling. Yeah, I already hate it from where Yeah, I was going to say. I, I, it was based on a game called Bloodline Champions that came out a couple of years ago. Apparently, they lost the rights to that, and they sort of had to remake a new version. But this version is even better. I, the last couple of hours I played of it was awesome. It reminds me of World of Warcraft Arena PvP, but better. Or sort of top-down, mm. all-skill work as a team to kill the other dudes in a set of rounds. It, yeah, it's, and it's got a really nice set of characters, great art style. So far, I'm enjoying the shit out of it. So, yeah, there's that. Cool. Next. Next is called Oriental Empires. Kind of interesting, this. It's a turn-based 4X strategy game based in ancient China, apparently. So, I mean, it gives me a little bit of a Total War vibe, by the looks of it. Yeah. I don't know if it's any good. It is early access, so I might hold on until it's done. Oh, the unit tiles are made to look like Mahjong pieces. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a nice little bit of UI design, that. But it, otherwise, it definitely looks a lot like, even with the advisor in the top left corner, it's very Total War. Yeah. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, because there is no Total War China. But, yeah. All right. Next one looks interesting. Oh, it's called this. The this. I'm so psyched for this game. You have not a clue. It's an FMV game, isn't it? Hell yeah. Kind of. But actually, the quality of the the screenshots and the actual filming looks genuinely good. Yeah. Um, it has not like main actors, but as many actors who have been on a lot of TV shows and movies that are in this thing, but like as side characters. But that's still cool that it's like we're gonna. Oh get yeah, real they have someone from The Hobbit, someone from Penny Dreadful. There's apparently someone from Star Wars and Game of Thrones, although I imagine they're fairly minor characters. It's all right. live action. Um, it's supposed to have a complex plot and a neo-retro soundtrack. What the fuck is neo-retro? Old, Probably... but also new. Mm, apparently. I imagine the soundtrack to Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, if it is, then that's a, that's good. But yeah. Uh, yeah, surprisingly doesn't look too bad. I mean, we have seen a little, a small revival of FMV games as of late. Yeah, I was wondering if we, would, if we would do for that, because it's been about 20 years since they were a, yeah. a thing. Well, we got the old, um, what's the, was it Tex Murphy? We got the yeah. new Tex Murphy Tex and... Murphy. That wasn't uh, horrible. Te te Tesla effect. Tesla effect, yes. It wasn't yes. horrible. It, w it had its moments. Yeah, I think it relied heavily on being a fan of the original text movie uh, games. I would say Absolutely. so. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Next. Next is called Thrills and Chills. Apparently, it just seems to be a roller coaster simulator for VR. Like, I don't think it's an actual game. It's just an experience. Right. Next. Next is A Dead World's Dream. Well, this is free, whatever it is. Uh, oh, God. Ooh, it looks a bit pixely. It's a retro-inspired 2D puzzle platformer. Yeah, because we don't have 10 of those every week. Yeah, that, that does not look attractive at all. Good Lord, the background, mm. foreground clash and contrast. Ugh, no. Mm. Free, I probably wouldn't use my time on it, though. That's, no, doesn't look great. Next. Uh, next is Toy Odyssey. Toy Odyssey, The Lost and Found. It's an action adventure Oh, that's all platformer. one name. Yeah, um, in a randomly procedurally generated house. Although I do like the theme because you are a toy and all the backgrounds are like a bedroom, the kitchen, yeah. and all that kind of thing. Looks a bit 20XDXC. Yeah, it yeah, does. It could be cool. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. Next. Could Next be is Six thing. Feet Under. Uh, six Feet Under. It's a free-to-play game. Uh, find yourself underground. Oh, it's a Halloween party minigame collection for VR, is what it is. Alrighty. Huh. Next yeah. one is called Gear Guns. 
Uh, oh. Gear guns tank no? offensive. Yeah. Um, it's. Uh, I wonder if it's the best tank game we've played since the eighties. It's possible. I was literally just about to say that. Indeed. It. It looks like a less exciting version of Earth Defense Force. Actually. Mm. There's not enough bugs and uh, singing and chanting. Ooh, involved I'm in seeing it. some cleavage there. Oh really? Oh. Didn't didn't notice needed. that. That was that was uh, nestled away tank. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, next. The next game is called Pong It VR, and it's got negative reviews. But there's only oh, there's only one. There's only though. one review. Yeah, it play a yeah. game of ping pong with your friends in virtual reality. There's already f like four games that let you do that. Next, mm -hmm. Diorama Battle of Ninja. Is that is that's quite the uh, title. What uh, is this game? A ninja survival game where you wage combat in an expansive diorama landscape. Defeat lots of enemies using shuriken throwing stars. Play with others online. Twin stick uh, shooter, possibly. Yeah, seems to be. One of the features is restore life with sushi. Lovely. Okay. Uh, uh, that's great. The next game is called Signal. It yeah, is a Sig. remake and Null, yeah. yeah, it is a remake and expansion of an earlier game actually called Signal, like the name the word signal. Okay. Um, it's a puzzle game by the looks of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. Next is Serious Sam VR, The Last Hope. Yeah, um, this is a sort of stand on a platform and shoot a bunch of things in VR game, which... Surely Serious Sam's already okay for VR. Uh, I think I you would know. maybe get very ill playing Serious Sam with how fast it is. Well, you say that, but I find the only factor that affects whether I get ill in VR is whether or not the game takes control of camera all the time. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun... Are you? I have a little fun playing. Ah! Oh, reckless dis VR. disregard for gravity in VR. Yeah. Yeah. I the, didn't seem to get sick very fast playing that. Some people do. Some people don't. Um, I have a big problem with it. With, but a lot of other people are actually like, no, I'm totally fine with playing regular games in VR. But yeah, this one is stand on a platform and shoot things basically. Right. Next. The next game is called Kings Under the Hill. Are you mole people? Some of this game is your mole people. Uh, ye it's a side-scrolling real-time strategy, um, with fully customizable units, destructively procedurally generated maps. Of course, uh, I don't know what you are. It they look kind of like mole people. It's almost like a side-scrolling dungeon keeper. Yeah, right? it's. Uh, I wish the aesthetic was a little stronger. Looks a little. Uh, it's very yeah. brown. Yeah, it looks a bit Windows 3.1. It me? does, doesn't it, actually? Very chips challenge in a way, but... I mean, it's a cool idea. It's just a shame it doesn't seem to be presented very well. Oh, well, never mind. Mm. The uh, fuck is this? Richie's Plank Experience? Is yes, Richie's Plank Experience. Are you afraid of heights? Take an elevator to a plank that sits 160 meters high over the ground and walk on uh, it in VR. It, another VR experience. There's a shitload of those coming out lately, it would seem. All right, never mind. Next. Next is Twin Force. It's uh, an early access retro style bullet hell, it looks like. It, yeah, it's looks it, it's Gallagher, but they claim it's optimized for VR and 3D displays. I don't see how that's true when it's a fucking 2D yeah. game. Uh, but that seems like bullshit. All right, next. Next is called Cossacks. Cossacks 3, yeah. It's Cossacks a remake 3? of an RTS called Cossacks. It's actually, I played a little bit of it earlier and it looked really promising. Um, it's an RTS based in the sort of Cossack era of the 1800s. Um, with like um, economic management and building a big army of people with muskets and shit and horses. Um, I'm actually going to play a lot of that this week, I think, because it looks really great. Um, next is called In Fear I Trust. 
According to this... First person horror game. Indeed. They claim it's critically acclaimed, which would be impressive considering it's not out yet. And I don't think a single person has actually reviewed it. Oh god, it's by the people who made Chaos Domain, which was a fucking terrible side-scrolling action game where it's like, what if Egypt was the future? And oh, it's like, shit. Well, I mean, that's a cool well, idea, yeah. but your game is really boring, so no. Never mind. Yeah. Next. On September 21st, we have Strike Force Arctic Storm. Claims to be a small first-person shooter in the style of classic Delta Force games. As to whether or not that's actually true, I don't know. Hopefully it is. All the screenshots are yeah. of no one to shoot. It's yeah. No one to shoot. It's all snow. It's big, empty, big empty space shooter. Reminds me of Project IGI from back in the oh, day. Oh, God, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, it's like, oh, huge levels. Like, yeah, there's nothing in them. That's the problem. Yeah. All right, next. Next is Cloud-Based Prime. Uh, where you're like a robot moving terrain around? I'm you're thinking. a robot on a gas mining platform. You have to move terrain to clear paths, defeat enemies, and launch yourself skywards. A, a decent Monday, it claims. Yeah. yeah, it actually does a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, early access. Next. Um, next is Pankapu. Yo, this game looks real cool. Like, mm. I don't know how it plays. It's just a platform, but it looks great. The aesthetic looks great. Yeah, yeah it really does. Mm-hmm. You're a tiny warrior chosen by the god of dreams to rid the dream world of the nightmare invasion, apparently. Uh, I love that. That art style is gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. Like the look of that. Mm. Cool. Uh, next is called Rat Mad Robot X. It's an old school shoot 'em up. Uh, it aesthetically looks horrendous. Mad, yep. oh. Yep, that's, that doesn't look particularly inspiring. Next. Agenda. A strategy simulation game where you control a worldwide independent agency with a set goal of world domination. This looks like oh. right up my alley. You can apparently plan and execute operations, gain influence and power, assassinate people, aid rebellions to try and take over the world. Basically, kind of, it's an Illuminati simulator. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll be up for that. Hopefully it's hopefully it's good. That seems like it's right up my Does that alley. exist, Illuminati Simulator? Because I'd love that game. I, I imagine it would be full of memes if it did. Probably. I don't know what you mean. A terrible thing. Next. Next game is called Grave Run. It's uh, like a twin-stick shooter to me. Yeah, it's yeah, sort of side-scrolling. Almost reminds me a little bit of cannon fodder, but apparently there's no tactical element to it, so that's a shame. I, I like a new cannon fodder. That would be nice. Mm. Great game. I love that. The uh, next game is called Candy Kingdom. It's a wonderful VR candy shooting game ooh, for all ooh. ages. Is it match three by any chance? It's not. You oh, have to shoot. Oh, you have to shoot sweets. Apparently. Oh. Welcome yeah. to the Candy Kingdom. I am the King King Candy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, how exciting! That movie was awesome. <laughs> Love it. All right, September the twenty second. Uh, sorcery part four. Mm, yeah, well, he's got uh, an exclamation mark. So sorcery, sorcery. Yeah, sorcery. Steve four. Jackson sorcery. Uh, one of the more well-known choose-your-own-adventure fighting fantasy books has been oh, adapted very successfully. Um, probably one of the best adaptations of choose-your-own-adventure that's been done. Uh, it's on mobile. They've done three parts of it already. This is the fourth. It's actually really, really good. Cool. Very well awesome. adapted. Uh, next up is Thunder Gun, Revenge of the Mutants. And it's got a really terrible frame rate in its oh own Oh god, trailer. yeah, it does. The trailer's like, wow, this is running at about 5 FPS. It's, I mean, you have a gun that shoots thunder, and you blow up mutants with it, and it looks oh. like it was developed in 1987, but it looks like it's also running like Crisis would on a yeah. 
on a console. So no, this doesn't look particularly promising. Uh, the next one is called Guns and Boxes. Guns top down, and boxes. like arena style shooter. Yeah, yeah, multiplayer, sort of four player, shoot each other with hot dog launchers. Howdy, dirty, dirty. That's wacky and hilarious. All right, <laughs> sure. Next up is called Virginia. Yo, I dig this game. This What's looks all about? cool. What is First it? person thriller set in a small town with a secret experienced person uh, investigation. Missing persons uh, investigation. Okay. Yeah, that, that might be up your alley. Our style looks cool. Okay. This next game looks awesome. It's called Pavilion. It's a, a puzzle adventure game. But like they... the look of it is awesome. Oh, wow. Mm. That's a hell of an aesthetic. Um, they claim it's a fourth person game. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> How pretentious. It is a bit, yeah. But look at that aesthetic, though. That's... I mean, MC it's Escher, man. basically, yeah, it's MC Escher sort of isometric kind of thing. Mm. It looks beautiful. What, what is this? Yeah, what is this game? I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's it a puzzle looks game, beautiful. A puzzle game portrayed through exploration and audiovisual imagery, whatever that means. I mean, isn't that every video game? I just thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be Korean developed because they have an award from the Busan Indie Connect, which is oh, in South Korea. It looks super uh, interesting. I don't know what... Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just looks great. I just can't figure out for the life of me what you do in it. No, right. not a bloody clue. Thankfully, I think it has... Uh, I'm not sure if it has a demo or not, but we, I might have a look at it. Yeah, all right, yeah. sure. The next game is called The Secret Order 4 Beyond Time. It's another one of those mobile hidden object slash point-and-click adventure games. Yep. Okay. The game Lots after that is called Clang. It, with a K. With a K. Mm. Mm. Is this the one I think it was? It's a rhythm um, game. It's not the game I thought it was at all. Yeah, because there was a game called Clang, which had an actual sword, that physical sword that got cancelled, didn't it? Um, but this is a claiming it's an innovative take on rhythm games that pushes the genre beyond pressing buttons. I mean, I guess I wonder what, okay. what it does then. It looks cool. Mm. I like the look of it. All right. Uh, I don't know how next... it plays, though, but hey, let's go. Yeah. Sure. The next one is called The Uncertain, Episode 1. Uh, I mean, that sounds like another one of those hidden object games, this, isn't it? it no, but it's not actually. Story-driven adventure game with robot in it. Mm. Solve diverse puzzles, make fateful decisions. Uh, aesthetically, it looks pretty damn gorgeous. Yeah. All right, yeah. Let's have a look. Okay, sure. Why not? Is that full 3D or pre-rendered? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's. A, it looks like it's in the real four engine, so I think it's actually full 3D. Hmm. Oh well, that's that looks quite neat. All right. Oh, uh, that's totaled again. The next isn't game it? is total. Yeah, that, that game we saw last, last time. Okay, so yeah, let's that's... skip it. Yep. Uh, game after that is Red Comrades 2 for the Great Justice. Uh, yes. Apparently the yeah. most famous and awarded Russian adventure game of all time. I'm not sure how much that's saying, but okay. Yeah, that's a pretty qualified statement, isn't it? Indeed, yes. Uh, next. Uh, next is Spectrum. Spectrum, platformer set in an abstract world of shapes. Yes, we've had quite a few of those. Next. Arrow Hill, Curse of the Ancient Circle. That's a and also, game, isn't it? Barrow nope. Hill, yes. The Dark Path. Yep, they're both sort of adventure games, pre-rendered adventure games by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, uh, after that is Deep Below. It's a free game. Experience the tireless journey of a lone survivor caught deep underground trying to reach the surface through a mysterious gauntlet that allows the impossible to be possible. That doesn't uh, tell me anything. Oh, shit. All right, oh, sure. Shit. Why not? Um... September 23rd, Heroes of the Monkey Tavern. 
Uh, huh. That's actually- it's an old-school dungeon crawler. One of those first-person dungeon crawlers. Looks like oh, a yeah. lower-rent version of, uh, what was that? Grim- Grimrock? Grim Rock? Yes. Legend, of, Legend of Grimrock, yeah. Yeah, looks like that. Odd name for it, but hey. Yeah. Uh, after that is Requiescence. It looks like a visual novel dating sim magic yeah. game. Very yes. pretty boy anime, yes. Um, after that is Heart's Medicine, Time to Heal. Oh, shit. The start of the, the, start of the video is just a woman kind of dead on the side of the road. What? <laughs> yeah. It's an intense but also funny medical drama. You become an aspiring surgeon at Little Creek Hospital. Which apparently has a bunch of like mini games where you're making pills and stuff like that. Like it doesn't look too bad. Yeah. Like no. it actually looks kind of cool. It looks like one of those, you know, those uh, restaurant management sort of games where yeah. you have to run around and serve everyone in time. Yeah, you're getting right. that sort of vibe from one of the screenshots. Mm, yeah, I think so. Like that that particular art style. It's it's very much like marketed towards uh, teenage girls on mobile usually. Yeah. Um, games like that. Actually, the, the wife plays a bunch of those games and finds them extremely enjoyable. So, I mean, this one looks still looks pretty good, actually. Although there's some very depressing scenes, like this one is she's at a grave. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Going in a flower. Okay. Sure. All right. That looks a bit too stressful for me. I'd, I've got too too hard a life to want to play something like that. Oh well. Next. Next is Stellar Tactics. Oh, this looks uh, ambitious as shit. Oh yeah, it does, game. doesn't it? Yeah, sci-fi tactics, equip a ship, gather a team. It's like, do all of these things, but we probably won't do any of them all that well. Hmm. Uh, but you're right, though, it does. Oh, of course, it has dynamically generated missions and procedurally generated worlds, action-based space combat, 40 ships, like a bunch of different people, mining, scanning, trading. Yeah, those those games are ambitious. I hope that they execute at least one of the things properly. One of the things they definitely haven't executed well is the UI. I'm just looking at it's like there's about five <laughs> different fonts in there. That's maybe not what you're looking for. Well, best of luck to them. I do want yeah. I do want a game like that. I just haven't found one that's really good yet. Mm. Uh, the next game is Dream Car Racing 3D. Oh, you it's build, like a, build yeah, vehicle car. building physicsy sort of game. Yes. I do like those. They're, they're good for a laugh from time to time when they're done well. Mm -hmm. I think I prefer Besiege, the physics-based murder people simulator with your giant mm. death machine, though. Next. Next one is Harmonia. It's a visual novel by the same people that made Planetarian, which was actually really good. Um, okay. This one will probably also be sort of kinetic and short. But Everyone has giant blue anime eyes. Looks cute. What, what does kinetic mean in this context? Kinetic visual novel means that you don't ever make a choice. You just read it. It's just a novel. Okay. I'm yeah. not I'm not tempted. <laughs> uh, the game after that is called Mad Father. I've heard of this one. That's the RPG Maker one, isn't it? Yeah, this is a game that's been out for a while. I think this is like their actual, like, we made a real, real game this time release. That is Because it used to be free. Um, yeah. The interesting thing with this it's is a obviously game. a lot of RPG Maker games do look very, very similar, but it looks like they've actually built new mechanics into it. There seems to yeah. be some sort of um, like quick time event kind of thing in there and stuff that isn't by default. I mean, you can do a lot mm. with RPG Maker. It's just a lot of people don't. They mm. just stick with templates. This it's one, it looks like they've... a popular like horror-style game. Mm. Doesn't look too bad yeah. for an RPG Maker game. Good credit for that. You know, They've put yeah. some effort into that one. Next one is called Pitch It. 
It looks like a VR pitching, hitting with a baseball bat game. But it's a surreal batting cage experience. <sighs> Fight aliens with baseballs and giant yeah. ducks. Yeah, that, uh, that's why we bought our VR headsets, definitely. To fight aliens with baseball bats. Naturally. Next. Next is called My Fight. My Fight. My Fight. Not yours. Mine. Yeah. Uh, nope. A computer There's game. One way a video oh. of this is getting made oh, is oh, if dear. you play okay. this game while playing This Is My Fight song, play that with this, you have a good video. The rest of it's garbage. It looks like a not good fighting game with far too much motion blur. But yeah. even the still shots are But you know blur. what's terrible about this? It allows players to fight for their favorite bloggers and show everyone how much he is cool. Get what? the fuck uh, out. This is I am deadly song. serious. It is apparently a fighting game involving famous bloggers, none of which I have heard of. Oh I noticed the trailer starts with a big screen full of uh, Russian language. Yes, it does. You are entirely correct. That would probably explain why I've never heard of these people. Also, this game has way too much lens flare and motion blur. Please stop. <laughs> Okay, next. Next one's called Fink. Fink. Um, you're solving puzzles. Uh, it looks fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's like, there's a maze, and it's upside down, and your head's a square. Brilliant. Cool, next is called uh, Showdown Adventure. Uh, this is... I actually kind of like the aesthetic on this one. Apparently, your body is 90% helmet. Uh, you're fighting some big, big cows. Um, it's a 2D action-adventure kind of Zelda-y sort of thing with a very Newgrounds-esque art style. Yeah, very one. thick black outlines. Yes, definitely. It's like, our head is too big. That kind of thing. All right. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh... Oh, God. Shoot. Where were Bus we? Tycoon, Bus Tycoon Night and Day. <laughs> uh... I mean, honestly, if this game was done well, I would play it, because Transport Tycoon is one of my favorite games of all time, but this does not look like it's going to emulate that. Yeah, it's b build a bus company, basically. Yeah. Looks like an Amiga game or something. It really does. Tribopolix VR. Mm -hmm. um, is there any syllable you can't just stick apocalypse on the end of? I don't know, but you have a magic bow and you defend your totem and you shoot at each other and there's tribes in it. And it's an early access, so I'm sure it'll be brilliant. Next. The next one is called Children of a Dead Earth, and it is, quote, the most scientifically accurate space warfare simulator ever made. Is it? Yeah. How? <laughs> is this related to a dead world's dream? Do they know each other? Could we introduce them? It would be lovely, wouldn't it? I think, I think sure they can get swimmingly. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like you have to design, like, a spacecraft that will deliver death to an enemy world, but then use um, physics and, you know, what's the term for it? Like, the kind of Kerbal-esque physics? Kind of use that. Uh, mm. Mechanics? Orbital mechanics? Yeah, orbital mechanics. Yeah. So sort of use that to try and blow up the planet, which sounds like it actually has a potential. I don't agree with this whole scientifically accurate space warfare thing, but hey, you know, <laughs> whatever. Sure, why not? Next the game is called Tentacult. It's one of those swarm games, but you're playing octopus men. A bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, I like the is, setting. This is, mm. is looking very lol random. Yeah. yeah, it is supposedly set in a kind of 1950s Pleasantville style thing, but I'm not really getting that vibe from it because I'm fairly sure those cars do not come from the 1950s at all. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. I think you probably best just play Anacute instead. Seems like it's a little yeah, Anacute's great. Yeah. Uh, 
Next up is Cranium Conundrum. I think, I think we'll wrap it up after this because there's too many fucking games and quite frankly, okay. I'm done with this shit. Um, it's a physics-based puzzle game. Oh God, there's like My Little Pony shit in it apparently, but yeah, it's a- What a great way to end it. Yay. Yes, what, what's a uh, high? Sure. I, well, there's, there's, there's a couple more than this day. We'll do that and then that'll be it. I'm not going through okay. the rest of them. Bit we'll slap be here all is night. the next one. Uh, deep in the Andromeda Galaxy, a lone warrior stands against an army of cubes for some fucking reason. And it's a VR game. Sure, why not? Yes, next. Uh, the next one is called Ville Town. It's a uh, city builder tower defense game. And which, it looks like shite. It absolutely does. It looks like it is the Oregon Trail on a on a Apple II, is what it looks like. Not impressed. Next. Uh, next is Angels and Demigods. Demigods. I mean, you think the, de- the demigods would have an unfair advantage in that. Um, but it is a sci-fi visual novel. And all of these characters look really familiar for some reason. Hmm. Well, all it's right. free. In VR, though. No, it's not in VR. Oh, it actually is. It is. <laughs> Why is this in VR? It's Good just... Question. Oh, bloody hell. Because you want to be in it, TV. Uh, I don't want to be in it. You're the character, TV. I don't yeah, want to be in it at gotta all. gotta live it. Last, but by hopefully no means least. Um, eight Infinity. Dynamic. It looks like the logo for a cable company's internet service. It actually it does. does, yeah. It's uh, a rhythm game. Rhythm, rhythm puzzle-y thing, yeah. And there's a bunch more that's come out over the next couple of days, but I'd rather not be here all night, because holy crap. It's uh, the Tower Escape Station, Lasers Can't Drive This, Formicide, and Goo Saga. Go look them up. Enjoy. Yeah. All of those games. Absolutely. Well, there's a couple of good-looking things in that. I want to check out that uh, that fourth four, fourth person game whatever they call it, and that pang- Pankapu, what was it? With the really cool last cell side-scrolling one? Yeah, yep. Pankapu. And, yeah, that looks and there was, and there nice. was Seraph, that's out now. Yes, indeed. Uh, that I've looks like pl- it might be... An Agenda. Yes. Agenda, the world domination one. I'd like to have oh, a look yes. at that. Yeah. Yes. So there's a couple of things coming on this week. If not, go play Battle Right, because it's great. Or Corsax 3 is looking like it might be pretty good as well. So there's a few things coming out this week, at least, that aren't too terrible. That pretty much brings us to the end of the show, folks. Thank you very much for watching. Thanks for sticking through three hours of that with us. And uh, hopefully you'll find a decent game to play this week. You might have to struggle by the looks of it. But big thanks to Ben Yahtzee Croshaw for three hours of his time. Very much appreciated. We've been wanting you on the show, I think, now for five years. So it has finally happened. It was not a disappointment. We're all very happy that that happened. (laughs) Well, I just didn't want to do Skype from Australia. I don't blame you. And, and wait five seconds between every response. Yeah, that would make things even more awkward than necessary. Welcome to the United States. May your waistline be forever engorged. Thank uh, you. And buy uh, white mountain bread from Publix if you can. It's the only good one. Trust me. I will try. I'll have to do one. with. I'll go in now and make a sandwich with my sugary bread. That's king wrapped twice. Indeed, yes. If we want to find your material, of course, you're still working on The Escapist. Yes, I still do Zero Punctuation every week. And my other series, Judging by the Cover. Are you doing Uh, anything more on Yahtzee 19 as well? Obviously, I know you now you you can't do Let's Drown Out anymore, unfortunately. No, because it's split up from my, my wife, Gabriel. Which is unfortunate, and everyone is yes. very sad about that. But I will be starting streaming on the Escapist Twitch TV channel. We're hopefully ah. going to start doing that tomorrow, actually, Wednesday. Do you know what kind of thing you're planning on doing there? Well, we've got an idea to do a stream of the games that I'm reviewing in Zero Punctuation that day. Ah, yes. That is a good way to do things. I've been doing that for a little while. It's, it's good because people spot things that you miss. It's mm. very useful, actually. 
gets you through puzzles quicker as well. That's always good. Are you willing to give a hint as to what's coming up on Zero Punctuation this week? Well, I'll just say this week uh, I'm doing a twofer of indie games. Ah, that's okay. all you can do at this time of year, really. That is true. When there's no uh, there's no triple A's lying around the place. Not until uh, the end of this month, anyway. Oh, mm. there you go, Ben. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Dodger, what's going on in your channel this week? What's going on? Um, I don't know. Come hang out. Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash to continue. I also stream on twitch.tv slash dexterity bonus. Manga pod is happening tonight. We read uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is a classic manga. Um, and reading it now, I understand why. We read chapters one through 19. Uh, warnings for assault of many different types. But uh, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, you're all great. Fantastic. Uh, Jesse, what's going on with the channel this week? Yo, um, channel will be the usual awesome nonsense. There's the Scary Game Squad that came up yesterday or for Resident Evil, if you want to watch that. But uh, I want to also give a shout out to the fact that we're doing a bunch of uh, Star Wars book club stuff this week. So there's going to be a bunch of podcasts coming up for all of you Star Wars nerds who would like to uh, join us on our adventure to read all the new canon stuff. So I'll shout that out. Wonderful. Thank you very much for watching the show, folks. Big thanks to our sponsor today, squarespace.com slash co-optional. Go get 10% of your first order. Your website sucks. Go make a better one. It's much better. Go to Squarespace. They'll help you do that. And, of course, big thanks to everybody for watching the show today. If you miss any part of the show, you'll be able to catch the full VOD available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cynicalbrit. That goes out every Thursday. And we will see you next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That is 12 p.m. midday on the Pacific West Coast for another episode of the Co-optional Podcast. Good Bye!